This is Review and Preview on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Review and Preview. No, this is not Tom Scavetta. It is Fonz DeFalco. I am hosting today's episode. I'm here with Andrew Scarpacci's second episode in a row. Andrew, how are you? Good about you. Oh, I'm fantastic. I know you're happy about Excited your to be Packers. On again. Yeah, you're, you're going to do a great job. It's going to be a good show today. Uh, we're not on the wave. We're not live right now. We are on Facebook Live under Tom Scavetta's Facebook. You can join in there, tune into our future shows. And if you're on there right now, leave us a comment and let us know how we're doing. All right, so first of all, let's go right into it. Let's review the NFC Divisional Round. We're going to talk about first the Vikings, Vikings 49ers. Uh, the Vikings beat the Niners. Oh, the 49ers beat the Vikings, excuse me, 27 to 10. Really exciting stuff here. Uh, Kirk Cousins, we said it last week, you know, I think against the Saints, he, we thought, all right, he's finally, he's finally back, would you say? Uh, he's finally coming into his own. Okay game, 21 for 29, but only 172 yards, a touchdown, a pick. And then Dalvin Cook was kind of a, a non-factor, would you say? I mean, Yeah, Kirk Cousins gave it his all, but he there just wasn't enough. The 49ers were too good of a team. They, they, the Vikings tried their best. They just fell decently amount short. Yeah, I mean, Dalvin Cook was good all season, and then he was hobbled by injuries towards the tail end of the season. Uh, was pretty decent against the Saints, and then he only nine carries for 18 yards. Uh, as far as the top two receivers for the Vikings, Adam Thielen, who's always been consistent, five catches for 50 yards. Stephon Diggs, who, I mean, at the beginning of the year, we thought he'd be traded because he was, didn't think he'd have a relationship with Cousins. Only two catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, so this, I mean, it's kind of what you expected with these two guys. I mean, I mean, you can say they're probably one of the better receiving duos, but maybe not one of their best games. But I think Cook with 18 yards, that's not really good if you really want to have a well-balanced team. No, they were never able to get the running game going, and then once they were able to stop um, Cousins to the best of their ability, and then you didn't have to worry about the run that much, so it just made them a one-sided offense easy to predict. No, exactly, but you know, a team that is very balanced all around, it's the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, not the best of games, 11 of 19, 131 yards. Touchdown and a pick, it's kind of what you expect, a typical Jimmy Garoppolo game, but it's all about those running backs. Uh, Tevin Coleman leading the pack with 22 carries, 105 yards, two touchdowns. Andrew, what I think is really crazy about the Niners is that they have three competent running backs, and they're all ex- like they play exactly the same. Yeah, they're all able to just grind through the yards, pick up 50, 60 each almost per game. It just makes too too many options for them, too many options for a team to try and stop. Yeah, you got Tevin Coleman, uh, Raheem Mostert, and Matt Burita. I mean, one week it could be Burita having 100-plus yards and a touchdown, or then it could be Tevin Coleman out of the backfield. We forget that at one point they had – Jarek McKinnon, I don't know if you remember him, former Viking, that they signed, that they signed on. He tore his ACL last year, and this year he thought he'd come back, tears it again. So, yeah, no, they have those two guys. And then the receivers, I mean, they traded for Emmanuel Sanders. He kind of – he had a he had a, a decent game. I think he didn't really put up – I mean, he put up numbers on the regular season, but this is kind of one of those games where he was kind of quiet, but it didn't matter because Debo Samuel, the rookie, probably one of the better rookie receivers this year. I mean, if you have anything to say, I'm going to say three catches for 42 yards. If you have anything to say about him, go right ahead. Yeah, not even that. Uh, George Kittle just improving year after year. Oh, yeah. from, from the tight end position, He's prob- he uh, had over 1,000 receiving yards and 85 receptions. He led both as a tight end. 
Yeah, and then remember last year, I think he even broke the record for most receiving yards by a tight end yeah. when Travis Kelsey had it for famously for uh, for one minute there, and then George Kittle broke it broke it literally right after, and then Kendrick Bourne uh, three catches, forty yards, and a touchdown. I mean, much like their running backs, I mean. You don't so know. many options on the receiving side, also. Yeah, outside of Kittle, I mean, you kind of, I mean, Kittle only had 16 receiving yards, uh, but then I'm looking at Debo Samuel, like I said, 42, born 40, Emmanuel Sanders only 33. When one doesn't show up, there's always others. It's like the running back situation. But yeah, he only completed 11 passes, but Andrew only threw it to four people, and those were the four I just named. Yeah. There's a, it is really great. It's really crazy, but like I'll say it again, like Coleman 105 yards, Raheem Mostert 58, and then Matt Burita quiet game with 17 yards but they can go all over the place but three receivers and three running backs each all with 500 plus yards this year yeah that's almost unheard of it's balanced and that's what i think a lot of teams that's where the great that's where it separates the good teams from the great teams and then you look at their defense their defense has been dominant as ever nick bolsa leading the way the rookie his former second overall pick with six tackles and those two sacks pro bowl this year i mean is a bright future with this guy definitely uh, and then on top of that, I mean, it's, Richard Sherman, he, you think he's back in his prime again, pretty yeah. much. It's crazy, though, because uh, we said after he tore his Achilles, I mean, a lot of people probably said, like, he's done when you're at that yeah. age, tearing an Achilles. It's going to be hard to be back at that elite level, maybe like a spot duty. But he's played all games last year and this year and all pro level, pro bowler. I think he got a couple of incentives in his contract, too. So he had a pick uh, against the Vikings. He even taunted Kirk Cousins with the same as you like that by saying, I like that. So it. Sherman will just he talks a lot, but he backs it up with his play. I'll same say thing that. that he was with the Seahawks. It was the same situation. As in change, I know a lot of people um, aren't fans of the way like he acts and stuff. But I mean, listen, he can back it up. So that, personally, I have no problem thing. with that. that, that no problem uh, with that. But overall, it's kind of expected. I mean, I knew the Vikings had a great win against the Saints. Um, I know uh, what was it? Tom said last week that they could win. He wouldn't be surprised if they win. They could run the table. Run the table, make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, well, unfortunately, Tom, if you're listening right now, I apologize. It didn't happen, but, I mean, it was 7-7 in the first quarter, and then just pointers just took it away. So it was kind of expected their Viking season ends, but I would say successful for them, you know, especially after the whole Kirk Cousins thing. You didn't know what was going to happen with him this year. Yeah, 107 passer rating this year, best of his career by far. Had a great year, 10-6, and six, made it to the playoffs, and could – could have had a shot at the division, but the Packers kept, kept pushing, grinding. <laughs> your, your Packers, and we'll get to your Packers in a little bit. I know you're very excited to talk about them. But the 49ers, again, we expected the 49ers to win. They go on to the NFC Championship game against your Packers now. We'll get to that. Uh, the Packers beat the Seattle Seahawks 28-23. to Close game throughout with a little bit of a controversial ending. Was it a first down? Was it not a first down? Was it a first down? Yes. <laughs> I... Of course you'll say. Of course you're going to say that. No, I, I definitely agree with you. We'll talk. We'll look at some uh, some stats here with the Seahawks first. Russell Wilson always. You can always rely on him. He'll always have a solid game. Twenty one for thirty one, two hundred seventy seven yards. He kept them in the game the entire time. Oh yeah, there was there was no doubt with that. A touchdown, and then seven carries for sixty four yards. It's one of those things with Wilson that yes, he's a mobile quarterback, but only if he needs to. He, get, he pretty much gets over 300 total yards every game, whether it's with passing, whether it's with rushing. He finds a way to clip at least 250, possibly 300, almost every time. Yeah, no, it, it, he's been he's been great. I mean, take away Lamar Jackson. You could have been put him in the conversation for MVP because no matter yeah. what uh, they throw at him, who they have, he'll always have a solid year, and he just wants to win. And, you know, he didn't get the win this, this time around, but let's go with the rest of that. Marshawn Lynch. 
who they signed literally three weeks ago. 12 carries for 26 yards and two touchdowns. Do you expect anything less from beast mode? I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, his first game back after a while, I mean, um, six carries for seven yards. No. You would think he'd do a little better this time, which he did. He got two touchdowns, but it's the same kind of thing as last time. He's He is that kind of guy where one, two yards to go, he will get the touchdown, but consistently to grind grind out um, carries for an entire game just isn't his thing anymore. Yeah, I mean, do, you, do you think he's now officially done? That's the question. I, I... I don't think so. I think he will. <laughs> I think he'll always be that guy for at least, I could say, another three, four years where whether it's third and one, third and two, or you're at the goal line, he will be the guy to constantly get the first down, constantly get into the end zone. But he's not a full-time running back anymore. He's not that yeah. halfback that's going to sling through people and carry five people for 10 yards anymore. No, I agree. I mean, hey, listen, it could be the same thing. Uh, he can only really do with the Seahawks. Uh, just week 16, they're down a few guys. Hey, Lynch, you want to come back for a game or two? Yeah, well, I'll give, we'll give you a couple million dollars. I wouldn't be shocked if he does that for another three or four years. But also, you never know with Lynch, too. Uh, he said in the like a uh, you saw his post game uh, after right it was like a uh, uh, counter chickens or something like always like he's want he wants to be with the young guys and he's he's now a, now a leader now so it, it it's really cool to see uh, if it's Marshawn Lynch's last game or not uh, still one of the best one of my favorite running backs yeah. to watch I know. would say it's hard to lead when you come back at the end of the season and try and take things over though yeah no exa- no exactly and he knew that too yeah. so I think that was that was very good on his end. Uh, and then let's look at the receivers here. Tyler Lockett, always been a consistent slot guy for them, really kind of turned into the number one when Dog Baldwin was out. Uh, nine catches, 136 yards, a touchdown. Very good. Very impressive season with him and also an impressive game. But another guy, I mean, DK Metcalf, he's very good. He has a lot of potential. Yeah, he he definitely has the potential to be the, that number one guy for yeah. Seattle. I think that's something Seattle's been lacking. I mean, Baldwin was good, Lockett's good, but they need that number one like legit star where you're like, all right, we got a game plan around this guy. Uh, he had 100 yards plus last time, uh, last week. This time around, only four catches for 59 yards. And then other notable names here Jacob Hollis, the tight end, five catches, 47 yards. But just to think with the Seahawks, with the amount of injuries they've had all year, I mean, Carson, the three running backs, Carson, Procise, and Rashad Penny, all in the same span of like two weeks or so. And then the receivers, I mean, you had Baldwin, who retired, unfortunately. Uh, Will Disley, I believe, was the starting tight end. He tore his ACL. There's a list of other players, too, but the fact that Russell Wilson kept him competitive, it's very impressive what he's been able to do. Every single year. I mean, he, him and Rodgers the, are the top two passer rating leaders of all time. Rodgers won, Wilson two. So you know it was going to be a battle of the two of them going mm-hmm. in. The two of them have always been able to, throughout their careers to keep, keep their team competitive no matter how much the um, no matter how much is lacking around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no uh, no doubt here. The Seahawks now, they're 11-3. 11-3 record in one-score games this year. That includes the regular season and the postseason. Stat provided by our own Tom Scavetta. Tom, uh, I hope you're doing well in work right now. Uh, wish you could be here with us here, but you'll be back with us next week. Again, Fonz DeFalco here hosting Andrew Scarpacci behind the board, giving his opinions too. We'll move on to his team now. The Green Bay Packers. Uh, if you want, since it's your team, I'll let you read some of the notable stats here on our show sheet. Aaron Rodgers, 16 for 27, 243 yards with two touchdowns. Aaron Amazing. Jones, 21 carries, 62 yards, two touchdowns. And Devontae Adams, eight receptions, 160 yards with both of those two touchdowns. And like I said last week, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, they were going to get to Russell Wilson. They were going to break down that line. Two sacks for each of them. 
both of them already coming into the game with double digits. And um, something people might not know, Packers are outgained by 145 yards this season, despite their 14-3 and record. So they haven't always been defeating the teams by extreme amounts and by rush, by running and passing all over them, but they do what they got to do to win the game by whatever the margin is. Excellent stuff. Uh, we'll go back to, I mean, you knew Rodgers was going to have a good game. You always can know he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Aaron Jones, I mean, like I told you last week, and I think you agree with me, if you can get uh, Rodgers a decent running back, it help, it gives a lot of pre- takes a lot of pressure off of him. It looks like he's been doing what Jones has, what, 16 touchdowns all during the regular season. Like, yeah, I think he, most any running back has had with Aaron Rodgers. That is, that's crazy. Even even when the I think other notable running backs for the Packers time, what was it? Uh, James Starks, Eddie, Eddie Lacy, Lacy, they never even had that many. Uh, no. Probably nothing even close. He adds two more now this time. I think he had, what, uh, one or two last week, too? Yeah. I believe, yeah. So he's been on a tear. Uh, Devontae Adams. Well, they, didn't, mean, they didn't play in the wild card round. Oh, my, my, my mistake here. Sorry about that. Uh, all, all over the place here. Uh, again, first time hosting. Got a lot to do here. Uh, but we'll go to Adams. He's been the number one target, go-to guy. Kind of expected with those eight catches, 160 yards. Yeah, when he was hurt in the early on in the year, everyone's like, oh, who's Aaron Rodgers going to throw to? And he found a way to get it to Mercedes Lewis, Jimmy Graham. Whoever was going to get open for him, he was going to find. But once Devontae Adams came back, it was just a different ball game for Rodgers and the entire offense. It just it added a different kind of weapon, different kind of style, and it was able to k- take the load off of Aaron Jones even a little bit, and they mm-hmm. were just able to sling it, and he did his job. Yes, yeah, so some other notable res- uh, receivers here. I mean, eight catches for Devontae Adams. The next best was Jimmy Graham with three, with 49 yards. And then after that, you had a couple of ones here, one from Geronimo Allison, and one from Marquez Valdez-Scanling, who I kind of thought was going to take the next step forward. And then there's, there's a couple other players that had the ones, too, like Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Uh, I think that's we'll talk about it more when we preview the the uh, the the championship game, but I mean, I want, I think the Packers are going to do really well. But who's going to who do you think would step up one outside of Devontae Adams? Who do they do you think they need to rely on? If you can name really one guy, if you can think of anybody, I'm thinking it'd be a guy like uh, Jimmy Graham. Like you need your tight end to be consistent too. So who would be ta- Rogers' number two target if say Adams or even Aaron Jones has a bad game? It, to get to gain the small yards and grind through, definitely Jimmy Graham. But when you need that long pass downfield. Um, um, I'm having a blank for a second. Oh no, yeah, no, Valdez Scantling. Valdez Scantling, yeah, extremely yeah. fast. He'll run downfield and get you four. He doesn't get many catches, but when he does, it's for 40, 50 yards yeah, every time. He runs past people. Every I've noticed time. that he'll have like a, he'll have a goose egg the entire the entire game, and all of a sudden he's just like one catch for fifty yards. You go, oh, okay. That's, That's how we did. first found out about him. The playoff game against the Cardinals two years ago. Ever who, like, who is this guy? And then he's get two catches. For like 100 yards total, which brought them into <laughs> overtime. And since then, that's always what he's done. Hey, listen, if you find your role in the NFL, stick with it. Yeah. And it works uh, It works for them. Uh, and then we talk about the defense, too. Like with the running backs, if they had a consistent defense, it'd be a lot easier for Rodgers. That's the case here with the two of their better signings, I think. And Preston Smith and Zedarius, no, they're not the Smith brothers, despite what you hear on ESPN or all over Twitter. Preston Smith, uh, two tackles, two sacks. Former Ravens, Darius Smith, two tackles, two sacks. I had to say former Raven because I was a little bit upset when the Ravens let go of Darius Smith, but I'm happy to see him balling out with the Packers. Uh, Andrew, if there's any other even Packers defenders that you want to mention, I mean, Blake Martinez, you talked, you were high on him last week too, 10 tackles, uh, Jair Alexander, nine tackles as a corner, which yeah. is something you never see too. The thing um, we were talking last week, so 
at the time, Blake Martinez was second to Bobby Wagner in tackles in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Blake Martinez is first now. Yeah. He had more. He had a lot more tackles than Bobby Wagner last week, and he was able to stick through that defense better than Bobby Wagner was. Yeah. No, Blake Martinez literally doubled because Bobby Wagner had five. Martinez with ten. Uh, Bobby Wagner was up by four at the start of the game, and then Blake Martinez just took it over. He wanted to show he is the number one. He is the most consistent um, inside linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. No. Again, uh, the Packers, they've been a very quiet team, I feel like. And you said the stat here, Packers were gained by 145 total yards this season. Yet they're now 14-3, and including that that playoff win. It's it's weird because they don't – you talk about all these playoff teams heading into the playoffs. Oh, the Saints are going to – Super Bowl favorites. The 49ers are definitely going to make a run. Uh, don't don't be upset if the Vikings make it. Like, don't, don't sleep on the Vikings. I didn't hear a lot of people talk about the Packers. Probably upsets you as a Packers fan. <laughs> I said in the beginning of the year, they they definitely have a shot. Everyone's like, oh, it's a first-year head coach. They don't have, other than Adams, there's no receivers. Mm-hmm. The defense is lacking. Who knows what they're going to do? And they were just were able to um, stomp on everyone throughout the entire way. Everyone stepped up. Everyone proved what they can do. Mm-hmm. Another stat here provided us by Tom Scavetta. Packers are 9-1 one in one-score games this year. That includes the regular season and the postseason. That's what Aaron Rodgers does. Fourth quarter game on the line. It ne- wasn't necessarily this time around. Packers had to lead the entire way and were able to hold it. But for the majority of those, it's Aaron Rodgers' crunch time. He gets, he finds the end zone. He's one of those quarterbacks where, yeah, you're down by a couple or you want to keep a lead. Rodgers is your quarterback that you want to have. So uh, very good stuff here. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, when we step, when we come back, we're going to talk about the AFC Divisional Rounds and my Baltimore Ravens losing a heartbreaker. This is Review and Preview. We'll be right back. Now back to Review and Preview. What a throwback song there. I like it. I like it. Guys, uh, for you Facebook viewers, sorry about that. The iPad fell down. That's the technology we're dealing with. Sometimes stuff happens, but we're back. You can see us. And if you're listening here, thank you for tuning in. We just talked about the NFC Divisional Games. Uh, let's talk about my Ravens and the AFC Divisional. Andrew, I'm a little bit upset, but I still have to do my job and talk about this game. Let's get right into it. The Tennessee Titans shocked the Baltimore Ravens. Now, if you were to tell me that morning that the Titans would beat the Ravens, like, all right, okay. Would you believe me if I said if it was 28-12 to 12 in a blowout game? If If you were to tell me that... <laughs> Lamar Jackson was going to get 500 total yards, and they were only going to score 12 points. I would have put probably a thousand dollars that it wouldn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> if people who just look at the box score, you're like, oh wow! So Lamar had a great game, carried the Ravens' first playoff win in his career. He's going to go on the AFC Championship game. That was not the case. Let's talk about the. T- oh, if you want to say something. So Lamar Jackson, 500 total yards. Ryan Tannehill, let 88 passing yards, less than 100. And they they double their points. It's just, it's just, it's, <laughs> I, you know, it, it, it hurts me more because I'm a Ravens fan. It hurts me more because, guys, if you've been listening to this show for a while now, I've told Tom I hate the Titans because they've <laughs> always been in the mix at 9-7, and 8-8. Eight and eight. Who's hurt? They're never going to do anything. <laughs> and then here they are beating the Patriots and the Ravens. They could potentially even beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. With Ryan Tannehill leading the way with 7 of 14 for 88 yards and two touchdowns. 
you were talking about how no one was talking about the Packers. Nobody was talking about the Titans. Yeah, that's the thing too. <laughs> no you know, one. yeah, no, literally, literally nobody. Uh, but it was literally the Derrick Henry show, though. Thirty carries for 195 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, but he did have a passing touchdown. In a, it was like a wildcat type of thing. Tannehill was motioning on the outside. Derrick Henry grabs a direct snap, and he just—he didn't even have to jump. He just lobs it up yeah. to what I believe can he it was do? yeah to to Corey Davis, I believe. Uh, yes, it was for a three-yard touchdown there. Derrick Henry, man, he's a beast. I will say that, man. So Lamar Jackson did not have more rushing yards than Derrick Henry, like I said, was possible last week. It was you did. I remember that. I just realized you did say that, but you were kind of close. It was less. It was less than three quarters of a difference. So. Yeah, uh, Lamar. We'll get. We'll say that quickly. Lamar Jackson, twenty carries, one hundred and forty-three yards. Uh, a lot of those were kind of in the fourth quarter, just running away, just trying to get yeah. something on the board. Uh, back to the Titans receiver. I mean, I can't even say anything about the receivers because the highest receiver was Khalif Raymond for a forty-five yard one catch touchdown. Yeah. And then everything else. I mean, the other person with the most receptions was Jonu Smith with two catches for 12 yards and a touchdown. Andrew, what do I do with the Titans, man? Like, they, like I really, I'm at a loss. And, of course, if you're looking at, looking at Facebook now, I'm wearing a Vince Young Titans jersey. Where'd you get that? I bought it a long time ago because I was a huge Vince Young fan. It still fits me. Uh, and then I told Tom, yeah, I have a Titans jersey. He goes, well, you have a couple punishments to make up from, <laughs> our, from our quick picks. Of course, I made it up, so now I'm done. So I don't have to probably ever wear this again. comes back to haunt me. Would well, you wear it if the Titans win the Super Bowl? You know what? I might have to because I am a Vince <laughs> Young fan, and I wish Vince Young was playing with this team right now. But let's go to the Ravens stat line quickly. Lamar Jackson, 31 of 59. That's a lot of passes, which something I think that's the most he's ever thrown ever. 365 yards, a touchdown, two bad – well, one bad interception. I'll get to that in a second. And one kind of that I really don't put the blame on him. And like you said, 20 carries, 143 yards. Mark Ingram was hurt with a non-factor. Six carries for 22 yards. They gave the ball to Lamar Jackson 79 times. Yeah. So the entire offense was him. 79 plays ran through him. Yeah. No, it, it, it is crazy. I mean, Ingram was clearly hurt, and then you had to rely on Gus Edwards. And they didn't give Gus Edwards a lot of time with the ball. Only three carries for 20 yards. And then on top of that... Outside of Marquise Brown, I mean, he had seven catches for 126 yards. He's very good. If people who watch this game, yeah, a lot of people caught the ball here. 31, different, uh, 31 catches from multiple receivers, but Seth Roberts dropped a, uh, a crucial third down long ball that could have probably made the score somewhat closer. Hayden Hurst got a ball that went right off his chest, didn't catch it. Mark Andrews bobbled the first pass Lamar threw for interception. I know, yep, this is going to be that type of game. Now, Lamar did make some mistakes. He did throw one under. Uh, I think it was Miles Boykin ran an out route, and Kenny Bacaro jumped the the route and picked it off. That was kind of his fault there. He also fumbled him where he held it on for a little bit too long. But, Andrew, I don't fully blame this on Lamar, even though the media probably will because, again, he's the quarterback. He's the star player. He's going to get it. I'm sure you've probably seen that with Aaron Rodgers where you think Rodgers doesn't – he did not have a bad game, but he's getting a lot of the, the flack here because, again, he is the star quarterback. So I'm assuming you feel the same way with me right now. Yeah. They asked Lamar to do too much, and honestly, I think he came through 90%. Mm-hmm. That extra 10% was way too much to ask of him, despite not just not being able to... He did so much, 520 yards, that that's that, that's very impressive. Yeah. But just those two interceptions and that one fumble, like they just asked too much of him, and I, I don't think that was fair to him. Yeah, it was, it was... You know, I think there are also the fourth downs... Uh, there was one in the third quarter. Um, it was 14-6. Uh, 
It's fourth in inches, and you could have easily had because Tucker's the best kicker in the league. I'll just say it. Could have he could have kicked it, it would have been fourteen nine. That looks a lot better at the time than fourteen six, and they didn't get it because the Titans defense knew he's going to run up the middle because Mark Ingram's not doing anything. It's going to be Lamar up the middle. Lamar tried to go up the middle, turned around, and went the other way, and got stuffed. I think at that point it's a coaching decision. You should have just kicked the ball, made it a fourteen nine, one score game. That's just my opinion. So you watched a lot of Ravens game this year, I assume. Yeah. In terms of their play style, did it to you seem different than because I didn't watch a lot of Ravens this year mm-hmm. as a whole? Did it seem like they played differently and they didn't really know how to adjust compared to what they were doing? Yeah, I think because during that during that uh, that winning streak, got it. They were up early with running the ball with Ingram and then Lamar and then occasionally Gus Edwards throwing a little bit of a slender out to Brown or even Willie Sneed and even then to Mark Andrews for a touchdown. They were they got the lead early. And so they kind of played more conservative on offense. All right, we'll just let the people run, catch a few balls here, let our defense uh, do the work. The offense came out jumping right away, and the Titans scored right away, and that's when the Ravens offense was like, all right, I don't know how to play from behind. Like, they kind of got a little bit, I guess, a little bit nervous, and things just kind of crumbled from the start. It was upsetting, but I don't think it – it shouldn't take away, honestly, from the historic season they had. 14-2, and two, first time – I think that's a, the uh, franchise best, excuse me. NFL record for most rushing yards overall. Yeah. Obviously, Lamar Jackson broke Michael Vick's record for 1,000 yards, but literally shattered it with 1,200-something and change. He shattered it in, like, week, week 14. Yeah, he, he, it was, it was, he had a great season, and there's no doubt I think Lamar is the MVP. You shouldn't, it shouldn't stain him. He's still young. He's only 23 years old or 22 years old. He's a young guy. He improved a lot from his last playoff. Remember the game against the Chargers? Yeah. It took him two hours to complete a pass, and I think the future is bright over there. We'll see what happens here, but that Derrick Henry. Well, I'll talk about the Titans. That Derrick Henry's a beast. And if they keep just keep feeding him the ball, they figured it out. Marcus Mariota was not the answer. Give it to Tannehill, and they've been on a hot streak. They've been the hottest team heading into the playoffs. Give Tannehill a few passing attempts. Let him get a, like, I've never seen a running back at double the amount of yards as the quarterback. <laughs> I think the, I think the, And win. Yeah. I think Henry has more rushing yards than Tannehill's passing yards in the postseason. I believe yeah. so. Guy's a beast. And you know what? We're talking about him. He didn't even have a touchdown, Henry, a rushing touchdown. It just show. I mean, 6'4", 250, you can't tackle this guy. I mean, how much money would I have to pay you to try to attempt to tackle Derrick Henry? It, he reminds me of Marshawn Lynch, like when he was in his prime. He's oh, not, yeah. like, not going to run 50 yards downfield. He wasn't that kind of guy, but he just, he's just he's going to take five guys on his back, get five, ten yards every time. Yeah, he, he did have, a, uh, he did have a, uh, a long 66 rushing yards. A uh, one, uh, yeah. one play for 66 yards. I remember he stiffed on Earl Thomas so hard that Earl Thomas turned his back to him. Look, he was blocking a Ravens player. Oh, man. That, I, I, it, 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 it hurts the way the Ravens season ended. That was his best chance at a touchdown because he was very far up the field yeah. before he was tackled. And then he got, just got out of the gas. That was a good comparison. Yeah. You're talking about like N, N Buffalo Marshawn beginning of Seattle. You're talking yeah. like that, Lynch, because that was, a, that was he was on another level too. But I'll say this before we move on to the Texan Chiefs. It was a great season. Great time to be a Ravens fan. The future is bright. They have a solid defense. I think the offseason, uh, they need to, you know, boost up the receiving core. Uh, maybe get someone on the offensive line because Marshall Yonda might retire. Get a decent middle linebackers. I think I think the, the Ravens are good. They have a bright future. Let's just hope now that they just come back and they have a yeah. they come back for revenge. A revenge tour of some yeah. sorts. I'm not worried about Lamar. I have been hearing other radio shows, they're all like, Oh, this isn't good. This is Lamar isn't ready for the playoffs. He's not ready to be a full-time NFL quarterback. It's his he, first full year you, starting. Like, I don't... And he, he, 
he's had a great year. I like. I'm not worried one bit. Yeah, it's he's t- again. He's 22. It's his first full year as a starter because last year he was he's like, younger than um Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah, and we're gonna get to Joe Burrow too. I, it, I think people are overreacting. Pump the brakes on him. If this was yeah. like his 10th year, then I'd be like, yeah, obviously I'd be worried. But remember, Payne Manning struggled in his first couple of years in the league. Um, he's not even struggling. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. Like Manning struggled. Lamar didn't struggle, just his team did. But you know, Manning took a while to win. Uh, Michael Jordan took a while to win. I'm not saying that that he's going to be at those level players, but everybody has a slow start at some point. I'm not worried about that. Let's move on to the Texans Chiefs and probably that the was a great game. Probably the best. I mean, you're you're a Packers fan, so you probably would say otherwise. But I think that was the best game of the, the weekend. I, I was I was watching the game in full. I probably. I don't want to say, but there were times I was actually more excited than in the Packer game. Wow! Whoa! Like, I, I I don't Whoa. want to say that, but like I, there were times I felt more excited. Not not for the team winning and not just not play by play, mm-hmm. like doing well, but just watching that game as a football fan. Yeah, that was an exciting game. Oh well, look at that. The truth comes out here. <laughs> they were the Texans. I said last week the Texans had the best chance to win out of all the uh, upset row teams. I thought I was right. They were up twenty four nothing. I think by the end of the first quarter, they were just. I saw. I I didn't fully watch it because I was working, but I kept getting like the, the Bleacher Report, ESPN yeah. notification saying Texans up big, and I'm like, for what? Like at the first first half? Nope. For first quarter, and I was like, whoa. I heard. I guess receivers were dropping balls. Uh, you probably know more than me. They had a couple of miscues here and there. The Chiefs did in the beginning. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Then, the, Travis Kelsey dropped a pass third down, and there they, they, they were third down drops a lot of early on. Yeah, and Deshaun Watson just took full advantage of that. Yeah. Again, he's another quarterback I love watching, too. He's very good. Uh, 31 for 52, 388 yards, two touchdowns on top of that. He's not like he doesn't go run first, but if he needs to run, he will run six characters, 37 yards, and another touchdown added yeah. on to that also. Uh, and then other rushing leaders. Well, Carlos High was the rushing leader, uh, replacing Lamar Miller back in the preseason. 44, only 44 yards rushing. Uh, as far as the receivers for Houston, DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers in the league, 118 yards off nine receptions. Kenny Stills had three catches for 80 yards and a touchdown, the guy they acquired from the Miami Dolphins. You thought they were up big. It was 24 to 28 at the end of the half. So 24 nothing to start. And then the Chiefs scored 28 unanswered points. And you're like, oh. In, in the second quarter. Second quarter. And you're like, yeah. oh, now we got a game going. And then I believe, I think just the second half was just a completely different story because the Texans only scored a touchdown yeah. after that. And that's where the Chiefs scored the 23 Ch- points at the at the second half. The Chiefs scored seven. They scored touchdowns on seven straight drives, yeah. which was a postseason record. And then they had, like, a fourth and two towards the goal line. Mm-hmm. Not on it, but towards it. And they decided to go for a field goal. And you see Pat Mahomes. They were already up by, like, almost 20 at that point. And you see Pat Mahomes trying to tell Andy Reid, let's go for it, let's go for it. <laughs> and Andy Reid is like, no, no. Yeah, no. He, 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 Mahomes is, is fun to watch. There's a lot Definitely. of, I mean, this, this group of quarterbacks. This playoffs. Quarterbacks. Yeah. Not well, even just the young ones. So, like, there's an interesting group as a whole because you have Rodgers and Wilson who were, like, towards the end of their prime but still f- Going all out. Mm -hmm. You have Breeze and Brady, Mm -hmm. who are like at the end of their careers, but still going all out. And then you have the young stars, Jackson, um, Jackson, Mahomes, Watson. Mm -hmm. And then in the mix of that, you have Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. (laughs) And uh, and we'll throw in Kirk Cousins there, too. I'll I'll put Kirk Cousins in the Rodgers and Wilson category in a way, but a little less. Fair fair enough. A lot less, Fair enough, fair enough. But Uh, they're they're the same kind of idea there. Yeah, no, but perfect. This is why you're here. 
You're helping me out here by giving your your analysis here. That's, I love that. We'll go to we'll just say this with the Chiefs. Pat Mahomes, 23 for 35, 321 yards and five touchdowns. Yes, they were down, but Mahomes didn't have a pick, so that was pretty good. I mean, he was he was solid the whole game despite what was going on. He also had seven carries for 53 yards. He can run if he needs to, much like a oh, lot yeah. of these other quarterbacks. Uh, Damian Williams. Definitely oh. underrated. That reminds me of like Rodgers because yeah. he's not really a rusher anymore, Rodgers. But when Rodgers was Mahomes' age, he was running. I remember Rodgers was was he wasn't a rushing quarterback, he but he be. got those yards when they needed. He him could to. be. He, he still he, can, but not to the same extent. Yeah, uh, Damian Williams, uh, twelve carries for forty-seven yards, two touchdowns. So that was good. Uh, no other. I mean, the running back situation. They really haven't been trying to find one for for a while now. That's always been the question here. But the, you think you no can need. never? Yeah, but the, with the receivers you have in tight end. Yeah. Travis Kelsey, 10 catches for 134 yards and three touchdowns. He had a hat trick. He, um, When he dropped the pass in the beginning, everyone's like, oh, what's going to happen now? And then from that moment on, Kelsey, uh, there was just pass after pass was just to him, kept running, kept grinding out the yards, two touchdowns. Kelsey or Kittle? Who would you rather have right now? Long-term, definitely Kittle, but yeah, I mean, right now. Right now, I would say, I would say Kelsey. I think he's, he's more experienced, mm-hmm. and I for the playoffs, definitely, in particular. Like, yeah, if you're saying for a playoff run, I definitely yeah. would say Kelsey. Was, uh, Kelsey's uh, 30, I believe, right? He's a little bit older. 30 or 31, yeah. Yeah, a little bit, little bit um, older than Kittle. But, yeah, no, it's a good comparison. Two, probably two of the best tight ends now that Gronk's gone. Yeah. Uh, again, like I said, 30. Ertz is up there, too. Ertz, but, yeah, yeah, Ertz up there, one healthy. Uh, 134 yards, three touchdowns. Like I said, Sammy Watkins is the speed threat. He can still get it done. 76 yards off two catches. So clearly, it's just Sammy, just go long and we'll see if we can get you. Yeah. And it's another guy like Tyreek Hill. Three catches for only 41 yards. A little bit of a low game for him. You expect him to have a lot more. You expect him to have the 134 three touchdown game. But still, uh, they again, they got it done. Oh, yeah. That's, that's literally. Uh, all that matters here. Uh, and then defense now they have Chris Jones is going to be coming back. But, again, this this was a fun game to watch. And from start to finish because it had the highs and the lows, I think that's what the Chiefs needed. I think they they no doubt needed that uh, that little bit of a thing in the beginning where we're down but we're not giving up here. Three quarters of dominance. Yeah, three, literally three qu- I mean, yeah. Then again, what happened? It just matters if what happens at the end. And they got it done. Yeah. And we're looking forward to that. We'll talk about the AFC and NFC Championship game. We'll take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we'll discuss the AFC and NFC Championship games. And, uh, yeah, and we'll recap any other little things in sports that's going on in the NFL. This is Review and Preview. We'll be right back. It may not mean nothing oh, everybody, welcome back to Review and Preview. I am Fonz DeFalco, hosting and filling in for Tom Skivetta. I'm usually a co-host here, but uh, Tom, trust me, for the rain to take over the show... Tom, you made a good choice so far. I think you made a good choice so far. I, I say so, too. That is Andrew Scarpacci here filling in as engineer two weeks in a row. Uh, how are you? How are you feeling? I love it so far. I definitely hope to be back again. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely have you back on here. But let's now we talk. We recapped the divisional games here, what was going on. Now we're going to preview the AFC and NFC Championship games and then go over some little NFL little stats here there in our picks so far. So let's go right to it, the NFC Championship game. Since it is your team, the Green Bay Packers will be going to, uh, I forgot the name of the stadium, this is awkward, but we'll go right to the 49ers stadium, NFC Championship game. What are you looking forward to most here with the Packers? Packers got Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. The Packers have the stars, Mm -hmm. while the 49ers have the consistency and versatility of many different options. So it's a battle of will will the key players on the Packers 
be able to stop the many, many options the 49ers are going to bring at you? When one doesn't go right, are you going to be able to stop it the other guy? Very, uh, very good stuff here. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward. I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, High-scoring game? It could very well be because, I mean, you can never know, again, what the 49ers. We literally just talked about it in our uh, recap here. Three running backs, you don't know what's going to happen. Three, At least three receivers yeah. and George Kittle. You, someone's going to have a good game. And then you got the Packers where you know it's got to be Aaron Jones got to have a good game and Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams versus Richard Sherman. That's going to be a good matchup. You know Sherman's going to be talking yeah. the, the entire game. I think Sherman probably would have loved to play the Seahawks, but he'll be okay against the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Now, what do you? All right, I know who you're going to pick. So let's, let's just ask you anyway. What is your prediction and what is your score for this game? Packers by double digits at least. Yes. Do you, do you want to give an exact score, or do you want to? Because I, I double digits. I, I don't man. think. I don't think I thought of an exact score, but if I have to give one, mm-hmm. I'll say um. Thirty-five twenty-one. Thirty-five twenty-one. That 35, is twenty-one. That is by double digits. Wow, but you really I. I, I have the Packers winning, too. I think at the end of the day, the experience of Aaron Rodgers and what Aaron Jones has been able to do all year when you know that, yes, he's going to be the number one rusher, but it doesn't matter because he's still going to get those yards. Devontae Adams, you know he's the number one receiver. He's going to throw to him all the time. It does not matter if he's still going to throw to him. He's still going to have all those yards. I think that defense has been much improved with the Smith, quote-unquote, brothers. the Smith brothers. And then you got – I'm a fan of Jair Alexander. I think he's definitely going to be a top corner, I think, yeah. when now. But even next year he's going to be in the conversation. Adrian Emos is a solid safety. And then you got Blake Martinez in the middle, too. San Francisco has a solid defense, but I just think it comes down to Aaron Rodgers. I think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to go with 28-25 to 25 okay. Green Bay Packers. Is it like a game-winning field goal, or is it like it's a close game and the Packers end up like winning it at the end? I th- you know what, here, if we're going to go into that exact detail, I'm going to okay. say, all right, so we're gonna, it's going to be like a field goal, maybe like with a couple minutes left, we'll okay. say like five, four minutes. And then the Packers' defense stops them? Yeah, yeah, because okay. like Garoppolo's going to go down the field somewhat, and then maybe a pick comes out or okay. a, a sack fumble yeah. by one of the Smith brothers, quote-unquote. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. I think that's going to be – I think I'm going to watch that a lot more. As opposed to AFC Championship game, because somehow the Titans are, yeah. as the joke, Andrew, you know the joke, but I always say it, in the mix, they're still in the mix. The Tennessee Titans, 9-7, and seven, go to the at 12-4 and four, Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> My it could mo- just be no one really watched them all year, and now no one knows what they're going to do. Yeah. Because it, you know Derrick Henry's going to run, that you know, but you, you you don't know what else. Yeah. Like, you really don't know what else they're going to do. It. It is crazy. I mean, my head, my head says the Kansas City Chiefs. My heart's like, I feel like the Titans are going to run away with this win. It's going to be a Super Bowl. It's going to be a weird Super Bowl year for the hundredth NFL season. I think it's going to be. It's going to be. I, I said blowout last time. I was way too confident with that Titans Ravens game. I said Ravens by double digits. They're going to hold Derrick Henry down. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. It's going to be. It's. I think I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with thirty twenty three. The Kansas City Chiefs. I'll go twenty-seven, twenty-one Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna so we both we both have a Chiefs Packers Super Bowl. Now, I didn't write this down, but fun fact here: the first ever Super Bowl was between Packers and Chiefs. We are now in the NFL one hundred season, and we have a potential recap of the first Super Bowl. How weird is that? <laughs> we've seen it all. We've seen it all. Like all the Thursday night. Super Bowl is this fifty four, fifty five? This is fifty four, I believe. Okay. So you yeah, know. 
Uh, yeah, because they're doing the hundred season because the NFL before yeah. that it was like the NFL championship yeah. game wasn't yeah, yeah. whatever. Before it was AF, it was just AFL NFL. Yeah, and then like the championship, the cha- yeah. it was just called NFL champions. Yeah. And then once it, once it was Packers season, they did like Super Bowl one, two, yeah. and so on and so forth. Because you see all the all the Thursday night games, they were historic Super Bowl matchups. You saw Thursday yeah. in the game between the Giants and Patriots. They played in the Super Bowl twice. Now, of course, without even planning it, you now can potentially get Packers Chiefs. What a way to end the hundredth. NFL season. Another stat. Tom provided this stat. Tom was on fire today writing the script for the stats. The conference championship features four quarterbacks combined for one Super Bowl start. And gee, I wonder which quarterback it was. I don't know. Wasn't Marcus Mariota as the backup? No, I'm just kidding, everybody. It is Aaron Rodgers. We, we kind of knew that already. Uh, let's see here. The last time the, f- the final four quarterbacks started in one Super Bowl combined, or fewer, was 2005. Now, I'm going to read these names to you. I want you. I want you. I want. I want to hear your instant reaction here. Carolina Panthers versus Seattle Seahawks, 2005. The starting quarterbacks: Jake Delhomme versus Matt Hasselbeck. <laughs> the F- Delhomme never heard of. Honestly. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're you're a little you're a little bit younger. So yeah, Delhomme back in the day. That was the Panthers. Hasselbeck. He's always had a back and forth career. He would start. He would back up. Someone would get hurt. He'd do pretty well. Yeah, then he'd and fall then before, off again. Before so. that, he was the guy in Seattle. That's okay. right. I, I, I forgot. Uh, how how old are you? I'm only eighteen. Eighteen. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, I'm 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 24. Going to be 25 at the end of the month. But yeah, no. It's a the throwback here when Tom wrote this. So I'll say it here: Broncos versus Steelers. Jake Plummer versus Ben Roethlisberger. You know, obviously, Ben yeah. Roethlisberger. But Jake Plummer, back in the day, was the Denver Broncos starting quarterback. It, 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 was, it was a trip for me back in 05. That was the last time that one or uh, four quarters had fewer than one start. And we're going to get the same thing here now with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. So we both have that Super Bowl. We'll probably come back next week and talk about the predictions for the Super Bowl. We'll get to it. We'll, yeah. we'll not jump ahead to that. Um. Let's see here. Now, now Tom here says, does this year's NFL playoffs prove Gettleman has a good plan for the Giants going old school? Because he's going old school here. I guess he means with the whole Daniel Jones situation. I mean, not really more of a, I think he, I th- you know what? I don't know. I think he means here, like, going, like, old school, like, going with, like, trading away all these guys, just building from the ground up with the, with the draft. It's kind of what the teams have been doing here. I mean, look at the Chiefs. They drafted all these guys. They brought them in. Texans, they drafted all these guys and brought them in. A lot of the teams that you Browns know Browns did the same thing. They're starting to get there. Yeah, and then, I mean, what happened? This what, what did the Browns do? They they traded and they traded and, and signed all these raging pickups, whatever. And we thought Super Bowl or bust. The Giants and like of other teams, they just stuck with their draft. It takes a little bit longer of a process, but sometimes it does work, and that could be the case for all these teams right now. Um, maybe maybe they're on the right track, but I think it's one of those things where we kind of have to wait a few years. You know, I think the problem with the Giants is. They do get developed players, and then they might have one mediocre season, and then they try and restart instead of trying to give it a second chance. Yeah, no, I because def- a couple of years ago they were not really that bad. They yeah, were they were a solid team. Yeah, they were they, they they've always they've always been a, a solid team. But no, I, I can definitely see where Tom was going with it with that one here. Of course, Tom always has to throw in his little, his uh, his Giants talk here, and we'll we'll talk about them more, I guess, as we get into the NFL offseason here. Uh, let's. Uh, Let's recap. I'm going to recap and analyze the quick picks that we did. Uh, let me just open uh, to that. But first, let's, uh, you know, here, while I'm looking for that, I'll read off some Pro Bowl stuff here because we'll, we got a little bit of time here. Yeah, we got time before we have to do our legal hour, our legal hour break here. We got a couple of notable replacements in the Pro Bowl. Uh, Cortland Sutton replaced DeAndre Hopkins in the receiver group. Again, Cortland Sutton, been a solid receiver this year. 
That makes a lot of sense. Another Raven replaces somebody in the Pro Bowl. So now they have a record 13 Pro Bowlers. Orlando Brown Jr. replaces Trent Brown. Then the other offensive lineman, Joel Batonio from the Cleveland Browns, replaces David DeCastro. And Ryan Kelly replaces Marquise Pouncey from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you got a couple of replacements here. Now, Andrew, are you a fan of, I, are you a fan of Pro Bowl? Not, I, as a whole, I'll watch it, but I am not happy. Packers only got Rodgers and Bakhtiari. Yeah, Blake I, Martinez, how is he not there? Either of the Smiths, how are they not there? Aaron Jones, how is he not there? It's weird because I thought, you know what, we'll get to that too. Um, I'll say that. I think the Packers should have at least five. You know what, it's funny because there was a, Christian McCaffrey opted out for the Pro Bowl this year. And I thought, all right, Aaron Jones is going to make it. Guess who replaced him? Alvin Kamara, who did not have the best of seasons, which was very weird to see. Listen, they got to they put some respect on the Packers here. What is going on? How many did the Seahawks have? Ooh, the Seattle, the, see, they had Russell Wilson, obviously. They had, uh, I believe, they just had Bobby Wagner. They had two, I believe. That was it. There was one team I, that had like five or six, and they were not as nearly a good team as the, pack, as the Packers. I thought it might have been the Seahawks. Hmm, let's see It was definitely a team. It might have been the Saints, maybe. You see, see, uh, uh, yeah, this well, this New Orleans Saints uh, has eleven. Eleven. They have eleven and now. The Packers they, have two. Yeah, and they were the same record. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Here, uh, those quickly. We'll do that before we go to the quick picks. Here, uh, Melvin Ingram replaces Joey Bosa. Tremaine Edmonds replaces Dante Hightower. I'm a fan of Tremaine Edmonds of Buffalo. He's very good. Joe Hayden replaces my boy Marcus Peters on the Ravens because Marcus Peters has an injury. So Joe Hayden comes in. Nice bounce back from the Browns now on Pittsburgh. Like we said, for the NFC, Calvin Kamara somehow replaces Christian McCaffrey. That's very weird to me. Amari Cooper replaces Mike Evans. Jared Cook replaces Zach Ertz. And the offensive guards, you got three replacements replacing all three. Tri Turner, Andres Pete, and Larry Warford. Those are the two extra Saints guys that you were talking about. They got replaced. They replaced Brandon Shreve, Zach Martin, and Brandon Books, respectively. And then the defense quickly, Jalen Smith replaced Luke Keekley. And we're going to talk about uh, Luke Keekley later on in, the, in, the, in a couple of segments from now. And Kyle Fuller replaced Jalen Ramsey. Those are some of the little replacements. We'll probably get a couple more. I think as the Super Bowl happens, obviously you're going to drop out. Say if the Packers make it, they got to find two replacements and so on and so forth. Which means definitely Packers won't be added in. Maybe. In hey, listen, listen. They could probably replace if they don't make it. They can add someone else. That's but, true. Eh, but maybe. But then at the same time, I feel like you want to at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. At know? that point, I wouldn't care. And then, then again, you do get a nice bonus money from it, too. So I don't yeah. know why people – I mean, listen, if I wasn't being in the Pro Bowl, if I was in the playoffs or whatever, or I was in the Super Bowl and I got a chance to play in the Pro Bowl, I'd do it just for the, for the money and make a little cash. Yeah. You, go, you go to Orlando and play a nice little all-star game. Nothing wrong with and that. And it's not like other sports where you're worried about getting hurt mid-year because yeah. at that point your season will be done. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. I don't see why really anyone wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, they got to work on that too. They got to work on that, changing that up a little bit. Uh, let's hear. Let's go to the review and preview quick picks. Divisional round nineteen. As we, I'll say this again in the wild card. Me, Tom, Russo, and James went a combined. Well, we all went one and three. You remember that? We all went three. We went really bad. I, James picked the Titans and he won that week against the Patriots, and we all picked the Seahawks except James. And that's how we all ended up, uh, you know, one and three. Go to the divisional round here. We all went. <laughs> we all went two and two. Can you believe that? I went three and one. You're, so you beat us for this week. Uh, yeah, me, beginner's luck, maybe. Yeah, but it's your first week. I mean, my first week I lost too. So, you know, I, my first week I lost. I wouldn't say beginner's luck, but maybe <laughs> maybe you're better at picking games than I am. Uh, so Tom picked the Vikings. He said that the Vikings would run the table. <laughs> Dead wrong. The other rest of the, us three picked the 49ers, Obviously, we all picked the Ravens. Let's just move on from that. Come on, guys. I'm done. 
talking about the Ravens. I know they lost, all right? I'm wearing the Titans jersey for the punishment for you people, for you people watching, not for the people listening. It's bad for talking what I'm wearing when you guys are listening to this on the podcast platform. Uh, we split the series with the Chiefs-Texans. Me and James said the Texans. Obviously, we lost because Tom and Russo picked the Chiefs. And then we got to the Packers-Seahawks. Kyle Russo picked the Seahawks. He was wrong. The rest of us picked the Packers. We ended up 2-2. Two and two. And so now we go on to the championship round. We all picked the Chiefs, including Andrew here. Clean sweep. But then again, if football's weird, the Titans could very well, very well make it. As for the 49ers-Packers, Tom... Kyle and James picked the 49ers, and me and you picked the Packers. I'm on your side. I believe the Packers, are they have a shit, they have a chance, and they have a very good shot to even win this whole thing. And uh, obviously, the pick's a little bit different now. There's a... Uh... Well, I think Aaron Rodgers, I think Aaron Rodgers exposes the secondary. I think Devontae Adams exposes Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. I think the Smith brothers and Blake Martinez expose the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And with George Kittle, the problem is too many teams are putting linebackers on in the general how do you stop a tight end Mm -hmm. you have to put at least a safety on George Kittle Mm because he's that kind of a receiving tight end and I think the Packers aren't going to make that mistake I think Amos exposes Kittle I think first I think same thing like I said for Chiefs and Texans last week first half very competitive and then I think one by one each of the quote-unquote like versatile great players on the 49ers that they say like if if next man up for the 49ers i think they all get exposed one by one yeah i think that's why it's double digits two touchdowns i know i i definitely agree i could definitely see that happening uh i'm on the look at the facebook feed now shout out to my good friend Tarek lewis from college he commented titans 49ers and super bowl he does not agree with us at all uh, then again football could happen but i don't th- i i we still think it's going to be cheap. i'm giving the titans more of a chance than i did the last two weeks i didn't i did yeah, not right, <laughs> right yeah i <laughs> did <laughs> I did not give them a chance against the Patriots. I did not give them a chance against the Ravens, but Tannehill, he probably might, he will probably get under 100 yards again. Yeah. I cannot see it's a, a quarterback getting 100 yard less than 100 yards in the playoffs and winning a third week in a row. I just don't think that's, listen, that's not how football listen, works. Listen, man. It, 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 <laughs> Apparently how, it is. How do, you, how do you think football works, though? Let's go, <laughs> I'll ask you that. How do you, how do you think football works here, then? <laughs> Uh, well, so we'll go to the before we head to break here. I'll do the quick. We talk about the quick picks already. So we're all tied with eight points total in the playoffs. Again, we're separating the playoffs completely from the regular season. We still have a couple of punishments and stuff to make up. I am, of course, making up my week eight punishment by wearing a Titans jersey. Uh, Andrew, some notable ones since you weren't here. Uh, week four, I had to sit on textbooks because I lost for the entire week for the entire show. I walked my clothes backwards with Tom. I also wore my football helmet for an entire show. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah, I you do, that. You did see that one. Uh, Kyle Russo, shout out to him, wore a Mets jersey for the entire show. Ooh. And week one, Tom uh, Tom actually lost week one. He wore an Odell Beckham jersey for the entire show because you know, he was a little bit upset with the The whole... Mets one would kill me. Oh, yeah. The, well, yeah, well, the, well, I, the Yankees one would kill me. Well, this actually technically kills me. Really, wearing this right now. Uh, so, yeah, we're keeping it separate. Actually, the whole yearly loser is uh, Kyle Russo. So we said once we're going to do all the weekly. The weekly punishments are kind of like what we wear, whatever. Then we're going to do a big punishment for Russo. We're still trying to figure out what it is. If anybody has any ideas, please let me know. I would like to hear this. Uh, so the playoffs are different. We're all tied with eight. Division, a wild card round was, uh, I believe it was one point each. Or no, two points each. And then the, each correct pick was three points for this one. And the championship one, this one is five points each for all the marbles here. Although... I'm being. I'm taking a big risk here with my Packers. Picking the Packers here. Everyone else picks the same teams. I could be. I could be losing, or I could be up by one. And I think that. I think for that we're going to take a break here, and then we're going to come back. We're going to give our team of the week. 
Go over some head coaching changes and some other notable players that have retired from the league. This is Review and Preview. Fonz DeFalco, Andrew Scarpacci behind the board. We will be right back. The new sound of Long Island University. LIUWave.org. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Review and Preview. I am Fonz DeFalco. Thank you for everybody tuning in on Facebook Live. And Andrew Scarpatu, thank you for being behind the board. You're holding holding it down. Actually, you're doing a very good job. Thank you. Uh, we just we just talked about the divisional games, predicted the AFC Championship, NFC Championship games, and now we're going to move on to our team of the week. Andrew, I kind of know what your team of the week is going to be, so let's just get yours out of the way first. Got to go, my Green Bay Packers. Uh, yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. They were again, like we said again. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but they did very well. Been doing well the whole season. They don't get talked about a lot. They, they deserve a lot more credit. My team of the week, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs, especially after coming back from 24. To, my team is going to be the Texans if they won that game. But to be down 24 nothing in the playoffs and to literally just, like, shake it off and go out there and win, I give them uh, a lot of credit. They and saw how much time was left. They saw that it was a lot, and they just ran away with it Yeah. once they got the lead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's it for that's our teams of the week. They're kind of obvious here. Again, you know, we can do any teams, but figure with the playoffs going off right now. I'm surprised you didn't go to t- the Titans. Nah, nah, I can't. I already, yeah, <laughs> I'm already wearing the jersey, man. I can't. I can't do it. You know what? Uh, the, they might be my team next week. <laughs> that's a little. That's a little teaser for everybody else to tune in next week. They may or may not be. Let's go to some NFL head coaching changes and some other players that have left. Uh, we talked about this. You know, other guys like Mike McCarthy got hired, and some other uh, Joe Judge from the Patriots went to the Giants. Last time we were here, we were talking about the Browns, and I said that they were going to take. They're taking so long to bring in a coach. They finally got someone fresh off a loss against the 49ers. Offensive coordinator for the Vikings, Kevin Stefanski. Actually, he was originally going to be the choice, but John Dorsey wanted Freddie Kitchens. This is last year. So now Freddie Kitchens is gone, and they're going to bring in the guy that they've wanted all along. Now. Stefanski, you got to I mean, listen, that loss to the 49ers was brutal, but you got to give him credit for what he did this season. You know, protecting, making Kirk Cousins, you know, working to his strengths and actually making him, a, like, making him worth the money that the Vikings signed him for. I mean, don't you agree? Yeah, the Vikings definitely had a great offense this entire year. They were able to hold it through. Just the 49ers defense, they weren't able to get past. But other than that, he had a great year. Yeah, it's one of those things where you can't, I mean, listen, one game, yes, it's because it's a recent, but you got to look at the whole sample of what he did throughout the whole time there. Yeah. So I definitely think. You know, I would say good hire, but it's also the Cleveland Browns. They went through so many different coaches that I thought Kitchens was going to be a good hire. You know, they have a lot of questions there. Uh, the Giants, we wrote here, the Giants are interviewing Jason Garrett for the offensive coordinator position, but it has been announced earlier, like a little, like an hour ago, I believe. He's officially the offensive coordinator for the New York football Giants. Andrew, what did you think of that when I first told you that Jason Garrett got hired for the OC job? It just shows the Giants they're willing to get whatever to prove whatever. And we were talking last week about what the difference the Cowboys were doing versus the Giants. The the Cowboys went the safe bet. You know what you're going to get out of McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And with um, – because the Cowboys, they knew what they got out of Garrett and they felt like McCarthy was a little bit of an upgrade. And the Giants chose to go Joe Judge, who you have no clue what you're getting mm-hmm. because you just don't know. He could be great or he could be horrible. Mm-hmm. But with Jason Garrett, it shows they are trying to balance that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Get him at the offensive coordinator position. He's been in the spot before. So you know what you're going to get out of him. And he definitely can help out Joe Judge and – 
just maybe get them in the right direction if Joe Judge really doesn't know what he's doing. I don't think that's going to be the case, but mm-hmm. every, anything's possible. Because he has experience, um, yeah. obviously, so it, w- it wouldn't help. It would be a nice person to listen to if Joe Judge is uh, questioning some things. Uh, Garrett's going to work with uh, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and that offense will be interesting what they do. Um, it's just funny because we joke with the Cowboys that he's he's always been he has he should have been fired yesterday with the Cowboys, but we'll see what happens here. Former Giants head coach Pat Strimmer wasn't out of a job for long. He went to the Denver Broncos with Vic Fangio. He takes over the offensive coordinator job. I think this is good for Shermer because Shermer is a very good offensive play caller. I mean, he's been he was good for the Eagles when he called plays for them. He was good for the Browns when he called plays for them. He was good for the Vikings when he had made Case Keenum into a solid quarterback. Almost took him. Well, actually, took him to the NFC Championship game on the uh, Minnesota miracle here. And the Giants really didn't work out too much. So now he's going to do the offensive duties with the Denver Broncos. He's got a young quarterback in Drew Locke. He's got Philip Lindsay. He's got Colton Sutton. Sutton, excuse me, he's got a lot of solid young players. Andrew, what do you think? Do you think this is uh, this is good for him, or do you think the Broncos are going to take a step forward with Shermer, or what do you think? The Broncos are definitely kind of like that wild card team. They've they have the pieces to make a run for it, and it just depends will will they step up and will the co- will the coaching staff around them give them the motivation and help lead them the right way. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree with you. So now, now that I think pretty much all the coaching stuff is done, I believe, unless there's, I'm missing some, all the head coaching spots are filled, all the coordinator jobs are filled. Uh, Joe Brady, former LSU offensive coordinator, now goes to, we didn't write that here because we uh, forgot because that was a more recent thing, goes to Carolina, and we'll get to what's going on over there with Carolina too. But before I say this, what's the best and worst head coaching hire? Personally, I think what the Giants did getting Joe Judge, getting a guy, like it's a big risk, but it could pay off. He went, worked with Bill Belichick, he's worked with Nick Saban, and you look at special teams coordinators, I give these guys a lot of credit because they just work with everybody. And they work with a lot of personalities because when you they go to the NFL and they go, all right, I'm going to start, I'm going to do this. No, we're going to need you on kickoff. We're going to need you on punt coverage. A lot of these players don't want to do that because they were stars in college. And the fact that coordinators are able to hold them together, work with everybody, be like, hey, you guys come in, you know, be a contributor on this aspect, and you will get noticed. And they work with all different types of players too. I think that's been it's been successful. I mean, I look at I might be biased, but look with the Ravens with John Harbaugh. He was a uh, special teams coordinator for the Eagles for a long time. Joe Judge was a coordinator for the Patriots a long time. I think it's going to be a good hire. And then my worst, I think Mike McCarthy. That's my. I'm starting to think about it. I think, like you said, you kind of know what you're getting with McCarthy. Just consistent, consistent, but like not like winning. A, you do win, but then it's like you kind of know what you're getting from it. I think what the Cowboys need is more of an excitement of what could potentially happen. I think with McCarthy, you kind of already know, and that's Garrett, you kind of knew. So it's kind of like the same thing over and over again. I want to know your thoughts on what were the best and worst head coaching hires. Garrett and McCarthy are very similar. So it's like you have Prescott and you have Elliott, and they're both developed, but they're not at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're both young. They still have a lot of potential, but they're also developed. So it's like who's going to be the guy to get them both on the same page like they were when they first started. Garrett Mm -hmm. wasn't able to do that for a long period of time. And that's the difference between college coaches and NFL coaches. College coaches, they rotate players every single year. That's what they have to. That's what they have to learn to do. Mm-hmm. NFL coaches might be too stubborn to move on from things because yeah. they're used to having, like Belichick and Brady. He's had Brady his entire life, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. So it's like, yeah, pretty much. If like, will Belichick? Will someone like Belichick be able to go beyond Brady? Mm-hmm. And college coaches know how to adjust beyond different players. NFL coaches, particularly the ones that are there forever, with quarterbacks that are there forever, don't know how. Hmm. Very, very solid stuff. I, I agree with you there. But, you know, before we move on to college, we'll go to college, we'll transition that, but there's a couple of notable retirements that happened. 
First off, Antonio Gates, legendary tight end. Recently retired. He didn't play at all last year. Retires at the age of 39. I think you can say, I mean, obviously, I don't know if you really uh, watched a lot of him. I was yeah, a little definitely. bit younger. I've, I've seen him. But, yeah, yeah no, I lot, mean, yeah. 2003 to 2018, he was one of the best, if not the best, tight end in the NFL. He was he was very good. Do you have anything to say? Yeah, really? he, he he was great his entire career, but I do think his time was ready. Mm-hmm. Like I think it was it, I think it was time for him to step down. I mean, Philip Rivers is also probably going to go in a year or two. Yeah. So I mean, the two of them together. Yeah. They're they're just the two of them. Their their prime is done. They're kind of their edges off. Yeah. Because the two of them, they 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 made each other each other in a way. Yeah. No. Uh, exactly. Now. Uh, Gates didn't play last year. He wasn't going to play in 2018, but Hunter Henry got hurt. So he did come back and signed one year, play, uh, played a couple. Uh, actually, did play all 16 games, only 333 yards. But his best season came in 2009 where he had 1,157 yards and eight touchdowns. And his sophomore, he had 13 touchdowns. So he retires with 955 yards, 11,841 yards, and 116 touchdowns. And that is a NFL record for tight end, most touchdowns. So he's up there. Uh, eight-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-First Team, two-time All-Second Team, All-Pro, San Diego Chargers 50th Anniversary Team, and then the NFL 2000s All-Decade Team. I listen. I mean, Hall of Famer. I I would yeah. I would say Hall of Famer. First ballot, it might hurt in a couple of years because when you're thinking back, like where because people now want to look at the rings and stuff, and I definitely think he could get there. Maybe you might have to. Was it five years after you retire? Is that when I think it is? That's what it is in baseball. I, don't I think know it, how we'll, it is in we'll say if it's five years. Maybe I think maybe the sixth year, like the first yeah. year after, the second year after. I think he'll definitely get some consideration there. He's up there with like the guys like Tony Gonzalez, yeah. um, Rob Gronkowski. Hey, listen, even uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Yeah, he was one of those first tight ends that they were like not just blocking that they can come out and be receivers. Also, the big difference between now and then is back then. Tight ends really had one job. You had your black, you had your blocking tight ends and your receiving tight ends. Now the idea is, can tight ends be versatile? Because now defenses don't know who's coming. Yeah. Because back in the day, you really, w- w- depending on which tight ends you saw on the field, you can most likely predict the play. That that's kind of a race now because you have those tight ends that can do everything. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. So another notable name that retired here was Luke Keekley. He announced it uh, a few days ago. Uh, I think he was the ninth overall pick for the t- in 2012 uh, NFL draft. Yes, I want to double check that. 2012, 2019 was the middle linebacker, Boston College. Really changed everything in that Carolina Panthers defense. He was probably, if not the best, middle linebacker in the NFL this decade. I would definitely, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I would definitely, yeah, I would definitely say so. Uh, retired. Because of uh, he had a couple of concussions uh, the past couple of years, he didn't miss a lot of games. When I look back at it, he only missed seven career out of like the sixteen games you play. He only really missed seven of them, but he also had a lot of um, concussions. And there was one I remember that really still it's like oh like you know I cringe at it. Is he started he like cried after getting hurt. He got a concussion. I was like oh this is like I think after that he just kind of affected him. And I'm he retired at the age of twenty eight, still very young. That's I crazy. couldn't believe he was 28. Yeah, I didn't think so. I thought he was at I thought he was around like Lynch's age, like 31, 32. I thought he was around there. Yeah, 28. We're going to see this we see this now with guys like Andrew Luck, uh Neil Gronkowski, Calvin Johnson uh, a few years back. You know, a lot of these young guys retire. Uh retires a seven-time pro bowler, five-time first team all-pro, second team all-pro twice. NFL defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year. And then even when you go back to his days in college, three-time 
uh, the Dick Dick Buckus Award, best linebacker in college football. Um, he won the Bronco Nagurski Trophy, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. This guy has a lot of accolades. There's so many I can read here right now. 1,092 tackles, career, 12.5 sacks, 18 interceptions with two total touchdowns. I think I think he definitely is in the conversation for a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt. It might be a little bit hard now because I feel like he I, retired. Like I wouldn't say the start of his prime because yeah. it is the linebacker position, which probably I think that if, and running back they kind of. I, I think he had if he still played, I think he would have probably had two more like years as yeah. like the guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. maybe one or two after, maybe just as a rotation spot guy on like third downs yeah. or whatever. But. Yeah. Some positions you have to go to like your mid thirties to just be in that conversation, but linebackers and running backs, like they're the ones always going at each other and they're the ones getting the biggest hits consistently. Yeah. So those are the positions that you can have like the prime of your career be when you first start and then by twenty eight just have nothing left and still be a great all time player. Yeah. Very hard for any other position in any other sport. But those two positions, running back and linebacker, they're they're it's definitely possible. Yeah, no, I, but it, it, when he came in, he changed. He was like, he not only can cover, he can, obviously he can tackle, but he can cover the plays and everything. Yeah. I, I, I was looking at, I was listening at stories, I was looking at things on Twitter, and uh, I forgot what play, I think it was Captain um, Captain Mullahan or something for the Panthers, former defensive uh, back for the Panthers. He said Keekley's rookie year didn't have cable at all. He just wanted to watch film. He really just wanted to be like, a, he just... You know, wanted to be a very good football player. No social media, just focus on watching film and being a guy. I could definitely see him being a coach someday. Oh, yeah. Working in, like, a defensive coordinator position. Maybe, like, start off high school or to college, maybe the NFL. I think this isn't the last. We'll see him again, but this time maybe just on the sidelines and sweats calling plays. But, no, it's, it's, we're going to see this track of a lot of these players retiring young. But I wish Luke Keekley and Antonio Gates the best in retirement. He, could, he would be, like, leading in tackles. And, um, sacks and interceptions for like the front seven. Yeah, like he was he he would get interceptions yeah. every year, like sometimes four or five. Yeah, and then there the was, linebackers. There were some there were some plays the offensive line were saying, yeah, Luke Newer plays the second we even set up in formation, and we're and then they're like, no, this isn't the play. And he goes, yeah, it is, and then he knew, and that's just that's what made him yeah. great because he knew and he studied and he's like, this is what the play is, this is how I got to do it. Uh, made a Super Bowl appearance, obviously did not win it, but still probably one of the better linebackers that I've seen play and definitely in the conversation. For this decade, but like I said, I wish them both the best of luck in retirement. Especially Keekley made the right call. Again, only you can make that decision. Yeah, we can't say whatever. But I'm glad you came. You came to the realization that hey, I can't play anymore. Um, I need this best for my health. He wants to raise a family or whatnot. So best of luck to him there. Let's go to the college national championship. Nash, I don't know if you watched the game, but I had a blast watching it. Clemson, I got up early. They scored first. And and then uh, LSU went away with the victory here. Let's just go over Trevor Lawrence's stat lines here. Trevor Lawrence, eighteen to thirty-seven, two hundred thirty-four yards, ten carries, forty-nine yards, and had a touchdown on that too. Travis Etienne, the running back who actually just declared not to cut, who actually officially said he's coming back for his senior year in the deep running back class. He had fifteen carries for seventy-eight yards and a touchdown. Justin Ross, their leading receiver, for five receptions and seventy-six yards. So what do you so you think with the with Lawrence coming back for another year, ETN saying yes I'm coming back for another year. Do you think Clemson has do you think Clemson's thinking yeah we're going for another national title? I definitely think so because who else was in the conversation this year outside of LSU? Are there other teams that have the kind of talent that is returning? Mm-hmm. And they already have one and it's the same team 3 years in a row. I think they're going to build more chemistry and develop even better. No, absolutely. So yeah, Has we- Trevor Lawrence though had 
had under a 50% completion percentage for a game in his career? Would you know? Uh, I do not. I don't think I, so. I would have to assume not. I don't think so. This is actually Trevor Lawrence's first loss since high school. Yeah. This guy was undefeated since coming in, winning titles and whatnot. I mean, that is that is crazy. But I uh, forgot to mention the score, 42-25. to 25. So, I mean, it was close at first, the first quarter, 7-7. Then LSU just went away with it. And technically in a home game because it was at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, home of the New Orleans Saints. I guess you could say technically it was a home game for them. But this Joe Burrow guy, how good is he? 500 total yards of offense, 463 in the air, 58 on the ground. Six total touchdowns, five in the air, one on the ground. Mm -hmm. He's good. He's very good. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Haline, the running back, 16 carries, 110 yards. Solid running back for him. But those receivers, I'll tell you some of the receivers that he threw to. Jamar Chase, nine catches, 221 yards and two touchdowns. No, Andrew, that's not a typo in the show sheet. He actually had 221 yards. Justin Jefferson, a guy who just declared for the draft, nine catches, 106 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilary, 54 yards. Terrence Marshall Jr., 46 yards. And did you know Randy Moss's son, Thaddeus Moss, the tight end, who just also declared for the draft, five catches, 36 yards, and two touchdowns. Everybody got it. They only threw it to five different five people, but still. That's all you need. That's all, that's all you need with that team. Now, I ask you this first with LSU, with a lot of the guys leaving, because obviously Joe Burrow's gone. Uh, Edward Talari, I believe he's gonna he's gone. He's a senior. Uh, Jamar Chase, Jefferson, they both are gone. Thaddeus Mo- Moss left early. I guess it makes sense. You just win a championship. You're like, all right, I won my championship. Now let me go get paid in the NFL. Then you got a couple of guys like Grant Delpit uh, leaving, Patrick Queen leaving. LSU's losing a lot of these guys. Do you think they're still going to be competitive next year to defend the title? Not to the title, but I think. Mm-hmm. They probably win the conference. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, and they they probably go a couple rounds into the uh, tor- in NCAA tournament. Yeah, um, I would say more like the Clemson Tiger. I think I think with all these guys returning for Clemson outside of T Higgins, I think they're definitely the favorites to win now. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll ask you this: um, Trevor Lawrence says he wants to play all four years. Now, obviously, he can't go to the draft. He's not eligible. He needs three years. He can leave after twenty twenty. He wants to play for those two years. Would you do that if you're Trevor Lawrence, if you're the projected number one pick already? It would depend how he does next year. Yeah. If he has another monster year like he did the last two years, mm-hmm. I don't see why you would. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get your degree and guarantee a good life after the NFL, mm-hmm. and if you think you can put up the same numbers your senior year, which most likely you would that you do your first three years, mm-hmm. then it would be a good decision. That's the same reason um, NTN is doing it. Because yeah. he would definitely be a first-round draft pick, but he wants his degree... He thinks he can at minimally match what he did um, the last couple of years, and win another title, and then just and then get paid in the NFL. Yeah, no, uh, but uh, ETN, no, I, I thought he was going to go, but I mean that running back class uh, is deep with guys like uh, AJ Dillon. I know Najee Harris from Alabama, uh, he's returning also, but with Trevor Lawrence, my thing is that with the way the ACC was kind of a joke, that whole conference they were they. Their championship game, they won by like thirty against Virginia. They, I mean, they're not afraid against to play against Wake Forest. They're not afraid to play Miami. They're not afraid to play uh, Virginia and Virginia Tech in their conference. I think he, he plays next year, has the same year. He's not going to do a lot. He's going to throw it to whoever, run to whoever. They're going to have an undefeated year. Go to the playoffs, be fresh for the playoffs, maybe get a title win. And then I think after that, I think at that point, then you go to the draft. You already projected number one pick. If you win two national titles, mm-hmm. has anyone ever won three? 
Probably not. No one has won three. I believe no one. No one. Um. No like starting quarterback. I believe. So yeah. So I mean, maybe he wants. Maybe he wants that on his name forever. Mm-hmm. That could be. Yeah. That that could be that could be the case here, but. Uh, has a quarterback won two? I would probably assume. I believe. Uh, I believe so. I'll I'll look. I'll look into that. Uh, Maybe Manning, because I know he was supposed to get drafted one year and then decided to play another year. But I don't think he won the national championship both years, though. We'll, we'll, I'll look at that um, in a little bit here. But Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm are all headed to the NFL next year. Those are like your top four. Really, Burrow, Tua, and Herbert are your top three. The entire offense. Yeah, pretty pretty much here. Um, now, do you if any? Obviously, Burrow's the number one guy. Um, who do you think is the next quarterback even taken? Do you think it's going to be Tua or Herbert? You out of out of those two? Wait, what was the question? I was saying like out of after Burrow because we know Burrow's. Oh, okay, one. okay. Um, who would you think would be number two? Like who would be the the second quarterback taken in that draft? Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking it might be it might be Tua despite the injury, because some team like Miami would keep Fitzpatrick for another year, have Tua rest up, and then in 2021. Come back as a starting quarterback. I think any teams that are already in that have a quarterback would want to bring in Tua just for like just to have him rest up for a year. That's just my opinion. That's what I think. Yeah, it's definitely a strong possibility. But I I wouldn't see an NFL team going out of their way to draft a player then develop him while he's resting in a way because then it's like then you don't really know what you're going to get out of him. Mm-hmm. So it's like the only team that maybe would do that is a team like the Dolphins who have absolutely nothing right now, mm-hmm. and then you can maybe draft. That or trade him for a couple pieces, that could be. But and then, but in order for that to happen, you would have to make sure he gets at least a couple games and to prove he has something. Definitely, definitely. So it should be interesting when we go to the uh, when we go to the draft here. Uh, actually, here I'm going to answer your question here. Ag McCarron and Tommy Frazier, quarterbacks who have won two national championships. I had to look it up while you, while you were talking. Mm-hmm. Here. Ag McCarron led Alabama to a title in both 2011 and 2012, and then Tommy. Tommy Frazier, uh, let's see here, 94-95. So the only, that's the last time that two quarterbacks won two national titles. Lawrence could join that company, and he would probably clearly be the best one out of those two right there. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going we're gonna to go, yeah, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to go over some NBA stuff and talk about the NBA itself and some little uh, miscellaneous stuff here, and then uh, we'll see where we go. This is Review and Preview. We'll be right back. You're listening to Review and Preview on The Wave. Everybody, welcome back to Review and Preview. I am Fonz DeFalco, hosting in, filling in for Tom Scavetta. Thank you for tuning in if you're on Facebook Live now watching. Thank you for those who have decided to download this and listen to us talk here. We are exclusively on Facebook Live and recording for the podcast today. Andrew Scarpacci is here behind the board on the ones and twos. He's doing an excellent job holding this down. He's the backbone right now of the show with his uh, Clay Matthews jersey and his Packers hat. Andrew, how are you feeling right now? Definitely great. I think Packers, they're going to win. Oh, yeah. He's he's confident. I and am. I'm confident, too. We're down. We're like a little over an hour now. We're done with the NFL. We did a lot of NFL talk. A lot of it. A lot of it because, you know, it makes sense. A lot of NFL stuff's going on. But the NBA is also going on. And we had a couple of couple of games here that was going on. A notable upset here, the Orlando Magic beat the LeBron James Los Angeles Lakers on the road, 119 to 118. Orlando's leading scorer, Markel Fultz. Andrew, I don't know if you know the story about Markel Fultz. He was a number, former number one overall pick. 
has struggled a little bit with the Philadelphia 76ers, got traded to the Orlando Magic, and has been very good for them this season. He had a triple-double, 21 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. For me, I like to see this because he did struggle a lot coming into the league, and people kind of wrote him off, draft bust, whatever, but it's nice he's getting a little bit of a rebound with a new franchise. So it's good to see that. Uh, Aaron Gordon, another notable name here, 21.6 rebounds, and Nikola Vucevic, longtime Magic center, 19 points, only four rebounds, something you don't really expect from him. And for the Lakers, LeBron James, 19 points and 19 assists. That's something he's definitely doing differently this year. Mm-hmm. He yeah. always used to be the shooter guy. Yeah, the, he, this year he's getting more assists. Is he playing point guard this year? Right? Yeah, he's starting. He technically is the starting point, even though he's listed as a small forward. He basically brings the ball. So that's yeah. So I, I didn't think when they put him at point guard if he would play as a point guard, but he's definitely showing he is. He's willing to show that he's still the. I think definitely top five player in the NBA still. No doubt. No and doubt. he's he brought the Lakers in two years from a team who at the bottom to the top. So his ability to go from that small forward, power forward, the doing a little bit of everything to I'm going to be the point guard, I'm going to lead the team, and I'm going to pass the ball as a point guard should. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And then JaVale McGee, 14 points, nine rebounds, three blocks here. Some notable games here from Thursday, January 16th. The Milwaukee Bucks beat the Boston Celtics. The Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo, 32 points, 17 rebounds, 7 assists. I nailed that. I nailed that last name. I think after practicing for a long time, I think I finally got it. Chris Middleton also had a solid game, 23 points and 6 rebounds. For the Celtics, Kemba Walker, been doing very well for Boston as a starting guy. Definitely a better replacement and better player than Kyrie Irving was for them, I believe. Uh, Fits them better, 40 points and 11 rebounds. Marcus Smart, 24 points, 4 rebounds. And Jason Tatum, 17 points and 4 rebounds. Good thing you brought up Kyrie Irving. I think he's hurting the Nets right now. You definitely think so. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that then. So, yeah, he, you know, what was it, a shoulder injury, I believe it was, this whole, well, something, and then uh, In the he, beginning, yeah, and then he came back. And, and then he just, he just wasn't there, you know. I, he, he's, he, he's having good games on paper, but the Nets were doing very solid without him. Yeah. They, they were 6, 7 seed, now they dropped to the 8 seed, mm-hmm. but they, but they, dropped tremendously in the standings overall yeah. like they were nowhere near like the bottom now like the pistons the bulls they're coming up there yeah and the nets they're they're slowly falling down yeah right and now the nets are the eighth seed and um they've always they were kind of at the bottom six six seven eight they're yeah, on there but they were six seven but they were nowhere near the yeah teams but like no not, but like you like yeah. you're saying like now teams like the pistons four and, games uh, out the nets had like they were, I think they were over 10 games up a little, not even that much a while back, mm-hmm. over like the teams that weren't in the playoffs. Yeah, no, their teams are slowly cr- coming up and creeping in. They're below I mean, 500 now. That's, that, do you, I think really, and I'll, tell me if I'm wrong, but I just don't think he's good as the number one guy. Look what happened in Cleveland when he joined. Obviously, it was, it was, it was a bad team, that Cavaliers team. But they still, when he was there improving and being like, oh, Kyrie Irving, all-star point guard, best point guard in the league, they were still a bad team. LeBron came in, they were a better team. LeBron left, they were bad again, and it's him as the number one guy. Goes to Boston, number one guy. They're okay, but what happens when he's injured? They literally, they were literally one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. And like, but it's it's also a locker room thing. Mm-hmm. He said something, um, I forgot his exact words, but his words were like, they were talking about how the locker room, there's like problems there. And yeah, he's yeah like, I remember that, yeah. He's yeah. like, well... He didn't say this exactly, but something along the lines of, well, I'm the guy, I'm I'm the big star, you you can't put the blame on me. And then R.J. Harrison was like, well, you're obviously not a top guy if you're saying that and you're hurt. Yeah. Uh, this is, so uh, I he's pulling the locker room apart. This is, uh, 
No, yeah, no. I think there's one here, too. Uh, I'm going to continue to demand greatness out of myself and demand greatness out of my teammates. If it's too much for anybody, you're not in our locker room. Stay the bleep out. And so, then R.J. Harrison responded to it. Because mm-hmm. um, Kyrie Irving was trying to say everyone else is pulling the locker room apart. It's not me. Yeah. And then R.J. Harrison is like, well, if, if it's everyone else but you, then it's probably you. Yeah. That, let's see here. Um, he said another quote, too, I believe, yesterday. It's pretty glaring we need one more piece or two more pieces that will com- that will complement myself, KD, DJ, uh, Garrett Temple, Spence, Karras, and we'll see how that evolves. It was Kyrie- I think Joe Harris is their best player this year, though, and he didn't even mention that. Yeah, and Ky- it was Kyrie on how, much the Nets have, on how much the Nets have to do to compete against the team's top, league's top teams. You don't say that. I, no. You don't really say that. If you're, I mean, listen, I get what you you say that in with like your coaches and like the general manager being like, hey, but not even like that. But that too, like, hey, not public. Yeah, I think like, hey, like we need to, like these are the guys we should keep around. We need to get someone to compliment us. You don't say that to the media saying like, oh, this guy's bad, whatever, because that just hurts. Like you said, team chemistry. It could also be a big difference between New York media and Cleveland media. Yeah, that's that's so a big one too. He probably is. Maybe he said those kind of things before, but it didn't come out the same way. Yeah. Which I doubt is possible because it's still the NBA. He's still on a team with LeBron winning championships. Mm-hmm. So I highly doubt he could say something like that and get away with it, but maybe uh, maybe get away with it a little more or maybe see something close to it, but it not be as big of a deal. Yeah, we knew the Nets weren't going to be – they weren't going to make t- they weren't gonna be a title contender. We were going to make the playoffs, but maybe not a ca- title contender because they don't have Kevin Durant. I didn't think they would be under 500. Yeah, that's the two. I thought they would be maybe like the sixth or seventh seed. Yeah. I thought they would still be around there. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. We kind of knew that Kyrie just it can't be the leader. We've seen yeah. the track record. Um, we'll see what happens when he messes up with Kevin Durant. That's another personality too. Like um, you know that they're clashing together. I know they're friends, but you know we'll see what happens when that goes around. Because you know Kevin Durant also lashes out the media once in a while too with what's going on, and he also gets into fights with a couple of people on Twitter too, which is really funny. But we'll 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 go back into some upcoming games. We'll we'll talk about some quick games here that happened. Uh, the New York Knicks, they lost to the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Great. Ah, these Knicks, these are... Uh, what, what is your team again in basketball? Do you have a team again? I mean, I, I follow the Knicks and Nets if they're doing well, so I'm following the Nets a little bit right now. Good, don't like, follow... I don't, I don't follow, like, <laughs> I don't follow the teams, like, as much in depth as I do, like, Packers, Yankees, Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, fair, I, fair. I follow the NBA a little bit as a whole, but, like, the Knicks, Knicks and Nets when they're doing well. Uh, just don't follow the Knicks. They just they just hurt you. They do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other games from that, uh, the Pelicans beat the Jazz in overtime. Denver Nuggets, underrated team no one's talking about. 134 to 131 against the Golden State Warriors, a team that we're all talking about making fun of because they have literally nobody. And then the LA Clippers beat the Orlando Magic. Some games that are happening currently right now. Uh, we got some two games that finished up here. The Toronto Raptors beat the Washington Wizards. Wow, that's a high scoring game. 140 to 111. Uh, that's been a trend in the NBA yep. this year. I do I do see scoring being up. I, I like I'm checking some of the scores. I've been seeing a lot of 140s, 130s, 120s, a lot more than. Last year and past years, it's just ba- it's it's back and forth, like back and forth, yeah. like no stopping here. Uh, it's high score for them. Marcus all twenty points, uh, actually off the bench. Norman Powell twenty eight points for the Toronto Raptors here. Everyone actually had a pretty good game here. I'm Did they at. change the rule with the shot clock this year? Um, I heard something about that possibly. Oh, well, like maybe it doesn't reset if it hits the rim. Uh, I think they did change that. I think so. so. That's probably causing more fast paced offense. That might be also too. Uh, look at the Wizards here. Uh, really, Bradley Beal, 14 points is their their best man right there. Uh, another t- uh, look at the other schedules right now. Philadelphia 76ers beat the Chicago Bulls, 100 to 89. 
Uh, let's see here. Let's do your top scores there. That game is obviously over. The 76ers are now 27-16. The Bulls 15-28. Zach Levine, 23 points here to lead them. Has been a nice, has been solid for them so far. 76ers, Al, Al Horford and Ben Simmons with 20 apiece. Joel Embiid obviously not as out right now with an injury, so he's going to be out for a little bit. Uh, some other scores here that's going on. Actually, one game just ended. Excuse me. Indiana Pacers just beat the Minnesota Timberwolves 116-114. to 114. We'll do a look at that here. Uh, we'll look at the Minnesota Timberwolves leading score. Currently, Towns back on his ankle injury, 27 points, 5 rebounds here. The Indiana Pacers, another team, they're very good. No one, It seems like no one talks about them, too. Uh, they're waiting for Victor Oladipo to get back January 29th. TJ Warren, your leading scorer with 28 points, followed by Jeremy Lamb with 18 points. The Pacers are so impressive because they're doing this with guys that, like, you don't expect to light up the box score. Look at TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb, for example, guys that the common NBA fan might not really know, but that the hardcore fans like, yeah, this guy's, like, a really good role player, and he can do stuff like this for them. Uh, some other notable games here, and then we'll move on. I think oh, Go ahead. Go it, ahead, yes. In the NBA, a lot of teams, like, um, they rely on they rely on one guy mm-hmm. like Le- LeBron in LA and the like. Whenever the team is that one superstar, they rely on that one player to just lead the charge. Mm-hmm. So the Pacers are doing it, but in a completely different way. They don't have that one star, but they have a great team chemistry, and everyone can pull through and and get and lead in certain categories. Definitely, definitely. So the rest of the games tonight, as are, as we're recording here. The Hawks are beating the San Antonio Spurs 63 to 52 as we get to the end of the half there. Miami's currently beating OKC, and Memphis is in a close one with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And some other notable games for the weekend Saturday, Milwaukee Bucks are heading to Brooklyn. We'll see what happens there. The Philadelphia 76ers are going to Madison Square Garden. RJ Barrett is actually out for a week with an ankle injury, so sad to see. Um, I hate to see that rookies getting injured like that so early or so in the middle of the season. L.A. Lakers are at Houston, and then Portland is at OKC. That rounds up the Saturday notable game. Sunday, a little bit of a lighter day. The Miami Heat are at the San Antonio Spurs, and the Indiana Pacers are at the Denver Nuggets, two of the most underrated teams no one's talking about. And we'll go look at the standings here right now. Andrew here for the West. we got the Lakers at 1, Nuggets at 2, Jazz at 3, Clippers at 4, Rockets at 5, Mavericks at 6, Thunder at 7, and 8. The Memphis Grizzlies. Look at that. They beat the Ravens. And they're, they're in the AFC Championship game. And now they are their basketball team. Now they're 18 in the Western, the tough, tough Western Conference. Is there any teams on there that surprise you in this top eight right now? I don't think I'm surprised by necessarily the teams on the top eight, but I'm surprised that of the teams that aren't. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm surprised the Spurs aren't in there. Yeah. Because, like, they just they lost their core. It's weird. It's weird seeing not seeing the Spurs in the playoff on really. They they lost their core though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's gone now, and then they were in the bottom of the the bottom half for a little bit, and then they're kind of going in the wrong direction here. Yeah, but like I agree. I thought the Lakers would be a little bit lower. I didn't think they'd be the number one seed. I thought they needed like a piece or two. I thought it was gonna like whatever. Like you see the history of LeBron teams, they struggle in the beginning and they pick it up by the trade deadline. I knew the Nuggets would be good because I watched them last year. The Clippers we kind of knew with Kawhi and PG. Rockets, you kind of knew with Harden and Westbrook, too. Mavericks, I thought they were going to not make it right away. But actually, it might be that Thunder team. Did you really think trading away Russell Westbrook? I thought they were not going to. Chris Paul's not going to be there long. They're going to have a young team. not going to make it. And now, they're in the seventh seed. They're competing for a playoff I knew they'd spot. be in the mix. Yeah. That's a t- hey, that, that, the, in the mix is my line for the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to use it for that one. But no, that they... 
it, the it's very competitive. The West is very competitive as compared to the Eastern Conference because there's a lot of teams in the West that even could make it. Yeah, the, on the Eastern side, there's a like every team under the Memphis Grizzlies like one game out, half half game more, half game more, yeah, game and a half more. Yeah, it's a, it, they are. And then the difference between Brooklyn and Detroit is four is four. It, that's been that's been kind of a recent trend with yeah. the NBA, especially with when it goes to the East and West sides here. Talk about the Eastern Conference. The Milwaukee Bucks are number one, kind of expected. The Miami Heat, I thought they would make the playoffs. I didn't think they'd be the number two seed. They've been very good and well-balanced all around. They're number two. Boston Celtics, number three. Toronto Raptors, number four. Indiana Pacers, five. Philadelphia 76ers, six. Orlando Magic, seven. The Brooklyn Nets, eight. If I had to pick a team that was a little bit surprising here, I probably would say the Orlando Magic. And then maybe just the Miami Heat being all the way up that high. I did not expect them to be two. I thought they were going to be like a five or six. I didn't think the 76ers would really pull through this year because they, it's been a trend with them in past years where yeah. it's like, oh, they're going to be good, they're going to be good. No. Yeah, they, they're good for, oh, they're, they're like, for like the first couple of months. They're like, oh, this is it. They're the team. This is their year. And then they just yeah. crumble right after the All-Star break. So, like, I I think they'll I think they'll continue. I think they'll make the playoffs, but I do think they'll fall out a little bit. I think Brooklyn's going to finish ahead of them. Mm, I think really? Brooklyn's going to figure it out. Really? You think they're going to? All right. Um, what about like the like teams like the Orlando Magic? Do you think they're going to be like... Is there any teams that you think – do you think this is going to be the final eight when it – you know, let me ask you this. These these eight right now, these 16 teams, do you think this will likely be the set playoffs down the line? Or do you think a team or two will probably be swapped out? In the East, yes. Do mm-hmm. you think that's the eight for the East? Yeah. West, I do th- – I think – and I, I think – including Golden State, I think every team has a shot. Yeah, Golden – you, you know, who? it's weird not seeing the Golden State Warriors on there. So, like, it I'll, really is. I, I'll say – Every single team has a shot to make it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not counting out any single team in the West. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the Hawks, the Knicks, the Cavs, they're not going anywhere. Well, that's but life. In, the, in the West, I yeah. do think every single team has a shot still. It's been the, that's, been the, that's been the way it was. Uh, any, uh, anything else before we go on to the All-Star votes? Because we'll talk about the All-Star game. I'm a fan, much like the NFL Pro Bowl. I love the NBA All-Star weekend. They announced their second go-around of the votes by the fans, as you know. The fans vote for the starting lineup, three front court, two guards, and then the coaches vote for the backup. So these are your top three vote leaders. If the all-star ballots ended right now, they end Monday, I believe, this is what the starting lineup would look like. For the West, your starting guards are Luka Doncic and James Harden. Definitely. Expect yeah, definitely. I think there's no really yeah. shock that's going on there. Uh, your front court, your starters would be LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard. Again, with the fan voting and whatever, expect them. I would, I would think so too. Uh, some notable, well, the backups. These are the these are like the three that are the first three out for the West. You're gonna love this: Damian Lillard, Alex Caruso from the Los Angeles Lakers, the bald mama they call him, the backup point guard, and Russell Westbrook. And the backup for the front courts: it's Paul George, Nikola Jokic, the Joker from the Denver Nuggets, and Carmelo Anthony. It, it, I think the starter. Yeah, it, well, it's fan voting. You know, fans want to okay. vote for Carmelo Anthony. Uh, what do you think of Carmelo Anthony on the Portland Trailblazers? I never even asked you about that. I haven't really been following as much as when he was a Nick. I was definitely, a oh, big, yeah. I was, a, I was a huge fan of him years ago. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I was and, a huge fan of him too. And then, like, he kind of got into like same thing with Kyrie Irving. He kind of got trouble with the media a little bit, and then yeah. he had to leave New York because of pretty. I would say it was because of that. Yeah. And then he hasn't really been able to find a niche really ever since. But he's he's still holding his own. Yeah, he's been doing well for Portland, but I don't know about All Star. But I guess it's just this. This is the problem with fan voting. Aaron Judge pick. last year was hurt the entire first half, and I think he got like five hundred thousand votes. Yeah, the, the, the fan voting takes up fifty percent 
of like the total. Like they take yeah. make up fifty percent of it. So that's what the West would look like. The starters, yes. The backups, eh, a little bit. Uh, the East, the East is a little bit different. The guards right now, if it ended right now, would be Trey Young and Kyrie Irving. Trey Young, yes, because he's very good, but he's also on a really bad team. Kyrie Irving, I don't know. I don't know if he's an all-star starter right now. I think he's hurting the Nets more than helping them. <laughs> yeah, I know. And if and if he was playing the whole year with those numbers, I can see it. But yeah. like, he's not playing a lot, so it's kind of weird. I think guys like Kemba Walker. Kyle Lowry, Derek, the first three out: Kemba Walker, Kyle Lowry, Derek Rose. They are more deserving than I think oh, those yeah. two guys. Trey Young could make it as a backup. I'm not sure about as a starter. I think because again, the popularity here. Uh, the front court, the starting three: Giannis Antetokounmpo. Look at that. I'm gonna keep saying his name because I got it right. Keep getting it. Pascal Siakam, the Toronto Raptors big man, who again is he won Most Improved last year, but he could win Most Improved again because his numbers just jumped up again now that Kawhi Leonard's gone and. Joel Embiid. Those are your three right now. Those three are kind of expected. Greek Freak, obviously, he's still playing at a high level. Makes sense. Uh, Pascal Siakam is getting a lot of uh, attention, which is very good now. Now he's like basically the number number one, number two guy kind of with Kyle Lowry. Uh, Joel Embiid's going to get it because he's the popularity also. Uh, but there's guys like Jimmy Butler, I think, could definitely be in the conversation. The first three out are Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, and you're going to love this one too. Taco Fall from the Boston Celtics. The big seven-footer who wears number 99, who averages two points and two rebounds a game. Any blocks? Uh, I, th- I think like a block a game. Okay. <laughs> I, th- I was going to say that maybe that's the number that pushes them. Yeah, I think it's just the popularity. Plus, okay. your name is Taco Fall. That would kind of make a little bit of sense. Uh, yeah, no. I always like seeing the I always like seeing the runnings here. Obviously, fifty uh, percent is made up by the fans for the starting line. Fifty percent is by the coaches. They can't vote for their own players, obviously. And then the well. 50, 25, and the other 25 is by, like, a players. Like, they do, like, a little voting. And then the, when the backups are announced, all the coaches come in and make their votes, but they can't vote for their own players, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see what that is there. Um, I think if there's any other NBA stuff, um, I think we're going to take a little bit of a break and then end it off with some baseball news that's going on, right? You ready for that? You ready to talk about some of the oh, ashes, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, we got a lot to talk to about that to close up the show. This is Re- You're listening to Review and Preview on The Wave. Andrew's bringing in the tunes. You, you, you got to, you, you're picking out some good tracks right now. I'm loving it. I like that era. I like that mid, like mid, mid century era. That I like that too. So I'm glad we're, we have the same taste with that. We got one more segment. We did a lot today. Talked a lot about the uh, NFL was going on. Talked uh, some NBA stuff here a little bit. A little bit of a slow time in the NBA because it's just the all-star voting. But once it gets to the all-star break and then the trade deadline, you know, and then when the playoff race comes about, that's when it gets a little bit more intense. But we close the show with something a little bit more controversial, and that is the Major League Baseball. If you guys haven't been following, which, I mean, you've been living under a rock, it's literally all <laughs> over the news. Uh, the Astros got a little bit of trouble here. And if you want to explain to the people, we're going to let you talk about it since I know you want to talk about this whole scandal that's been going on. Yeah, so the Astros have been caught cheating with, in the 2017 regular season and playoffs, players were hitting a trash can back in the camera room and relaying that um, sound to the hitters in the batter's box to let them know whether a breaking ball or a fastball was coming. And then for the 2018 season and regular, oh no, in the 2019 regular season and playoffs, it was shown that players like Altuve, Bregman, Springer, they had microphones and in their um in the middle of their jerseys and that was and they were then they were getting relaying signs that way and for that 
AJ Hinch and Jeff Lunau, the manager and general manager of the Astros, they were both suspended a year and then within the week fired by the Astros completely. So now they were both without a GM and uh, manager. And then Alex Cora, he was the um, bench coach for the Astros. Not everyone knows that. And then yeah. the manager of the Red Sox last year and the past two years. And then in 2018, it was shown that the Red Sox were cheating <laughs> using Apple Watches and oh, that kind of technology. <laughs> and then Alex Cora was fired before the before the MLB handed out any suspensions. And they, they were possibly talking about doing a lifetime ban on him because he stole two World Series away. One with the Astros and one with the Red Sox. And um, still, they're probably going to wait to see whether he's going to get a job with someone else and then give him a suspension because then they will really know what to do. And then Carlos Beltran, player of the Astros uh, in 2017. Somehow. Go retired, ahead, <laughs> hired by the Mets to be their manager, and then oh, before ever playing a single oh, game, was let go. Oh. And I personally don't like the way the Mets handled the situation. They refused to put the responsibility on them. They waited for Beltron to come to them and say what he wanted to do. And then the Mets were like, oh, yeah, he chose to be let go. But really, it was, the Mets should have made the decision and then talk about it with him. Because I think the Mets did it in a very controversial way for his role as a player with the Astros in 2017. And the suspensions to Lunau and Hinge came before the the 29, the 20, um, 19 um, allegations were made. So they might even get a bigger suspension because now they have to invest. They have to do a whole other investigation. And this all came out with um, if by the athletic uh, writer Ken Rosenthal. He's probably the biggest um, MOB the guy, like investigative that's reporter. The guy you follow for like the Adam Schefter. Like, oh yeah, guy. yeah. Uh, probably everyone in both of those organizations must hate him. I think any when, Ken Rosenthal is always going to be the guy to find things out. He's the uh, first guy you go to on Twitter. For those listening, uh, I was upset because he said the Mets. Because somehow, the New York Mets get involved in something that had nothing to do with them. They just well, uh, Belt. You said Beltran was a player, so he kind of like, kind of led like he was like the, the player that kind of told everyone what was going yeah. on. And he kind of led like with that. Uh, no other players, I believe, got even in trouble. Nothing they can't yet. suspend the players because the you, you, yeah, because the union will have a problem with it. But it's also if you suspend one player, you have to suspend all the players. Then you have to figure out which exact players were were doing it and which that's exact a, players were doing it. So there was really that's no a way. Whole another yeah. thing. There's a lot of guys on that roster too. So the problem with that is you don't know who ever who did what and to what extent. So you put the blame on the manager and the general manager. They were overseeing it. Whatever involvement they had, it was enough to suspend them because they were they were supposed to be overseeing it and know what's going on. So, but Beltron was a player at the time. Supposedly he was the one leading the charge. Now a manager, it was easier for the Mets to have him let himself go and then have the Mets say, "Well, he wanted to be. He wanted to go." I hate them. I hate them. It's it's the life of a Mets fan. Uh, it's 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 crazy what what happened though. Now, obviously, the, I think it was right what they did, um, suspending them for a year, and then if they they fire them, yes, like do that what, do it as they may. Now they're waiting for Cora to, to get another job to get a hand him in a bigger suspension. I don't think you're gonna see Cora probably ever managing a team again. No, I it's think, always gonna follow him. Yeah, and then Hinch, I wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if he never gets a job either. Uh, what, what do you think? Do you think Jeff Luno definitely gets another job because yeah. he built this Astros team from scratch that they have? Yeah, he he went through drafts. He he made some great trades. So 
and he wasn't he wasn't in the locker room or yeah. the the replay room when this was going on. Yeah, so I'm, I'm meaning Jeff Lunau definitely gets another job, not with the Astros. No, yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm talking more AJ Hinch and uh, Cora. I'm saying like more Cora like... probably not Hinch, not as a manager, but I think he'll get a third base coach, bench coach, pit uh, whatever hitting coach, pitching whatever they want to give him. I think I think he'll get another job, not as a, not as a full time manager though. Yeah, it, it's going to be crazy. Alex Cora, Cora, I think it's going to be hard for him to get anything. <laughs> yeah, no way, no shot now. Doing it twice. Yeah, two yeah. World Series. Yeah. But if it comes out against A.J. Hinch, then it might, uh, for 2019 also, then that's going to affect him again. So, you know, it, it somehow ruins my Mets. For some reason, they didn't get involved. This is the most Mets thing, because uh, me and my friends on my own podcast, the Slickback Kickback Report, cheap plug there, we did a, a draft of the funniest, worst Mets moments of all time. This easily might take my. This easily might go on my list of top five now. What was your number one? Uh, I think. Oh, what was it? I believe it was. Oh, what was it? I think it was. Uh, what, what was his name? Well, Syndergaard getting thrown after the first pitch against the Dodgers for no apparent reason. He clearly didn't intentionally meant to throw it at him. I think it was uh, Dwight Gooden missing the parade. Uh, for that and Mr. Met flipping off a fan, that was up there too. Uh, and I put down the two, the, just the whole 2015 postseason run because that just was the worst. That just we yes we made it far. My God, that ending was just so bad. This this might actually uh, be up there too. I think I also had uh, Brandon Nimmo missing practice because he overcooked or no he uh, undercooked chicken. <laughs> That's just the life of a Mets fan, man. There's a lot more. There's a lot more on here that I I, I really can't repeat. There's just really it, it, it. So this is definitely gonna make the list now. Do you think that there's talks about they should sh- they want to strip the teams of their World Series titles? Do you think that would ever be? Do you think it'll be at the NCAA? Because the NCAA has no problem doing that. We saw what Louisville with the basketball team was going on with Rick Pitino. Penn they sh- State, Penn State, oh Penn State too. They took away their titles. If you look at Louisville, it says national championship, 2013, star vacated by the NCAA. Well, the school can say they are, but in the NCAA rule books, it just says nothing. Do you think that would be the same case for the Houston Astros and the Boston uh, Boston Red Sox? Excuse me. I don't think the MLB has that kind of initiative, I mm-hmm. or purpose or reason. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it would do anything. Like, there's no you're not going to give it to the Dodgers. You're not going to give it to the Yankees. You're not you're not going to give. Yeah, the they Yan- don't even give it to. I think not, they don't even. Give yeah, it to you're anybody. not going to give the Yankees the pennant last year or the year before, and then say the Dodgers would have beat the Yankees. Like, yeah. it, there, there's no point in doing it. And they're not even going to say like, oh. Uh, 20, uh, 2017, nothing vacated. Like they're not yeah. even going to have that too. They're going to want to have that on there too. But I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. And there's even talks of the. Yeah, I saw something on the uh, some LA person on Twitter that said there's a petition for the Dodgers to get the World Series title. What are you going to do? Parade? Yeah, like it, a little bit too late. <laughs> like I was like, like that's not how it works, man. That doesn't. Have, that's not how it works. But the, I both World Series, 2017 and 18. I, I believe I, if, I'm assuming it was. I'm assuming it was for both of them. They didn't. They didn't the person didn't specify. They're saying yeah. that petition to get the World Series title back for give it to Los Angeles, one or both. But uh, that's never going to happen. But in spite of all this, mm-hmm. Scherzer, Strasburg, Gonzalez. Does Grant? Does this just show how great the Nationals' pitching is? It doesn't matter what the Astros know; these guys are just going to shut them down. That's true too. Because what if? What if the Astros? What if? That's the thing. I didn't even think of that. What if the Astros just won this year, and the scandal, and then that started happening yeah. more? Then you're like, all right, this recently happened because because everyone talks about the 2017 one for the Astros and the 2018 one for the Red Sox, but they they went above and beyond this year. Subjectively, the that investigation just just started. Yeah, microphones under the jerseys. Yeah. So I mean. 
that just shows if if that was the case, how good is Strasburg, Scherzer? Mm-hmm. Does such a good World Series? Yeah. And that, that, yeah, no, it just definitely shows how good they were. That people were saying the Astros were going to win because they have the they had the better rotation, better yeah, um, uh, excuse me, the better outfield and whatever. And it just shows that they were the better team here. Now with Beltron out for the Mets, I think probably the record for the shortest stint ever as manager. I believe uh, only him and one other guy November never played a game. November first. For, for first of all, the Mets took okay. a while to even find a manager. They took remember they were like one of the last teams, and then they hired him. Like all right, cool former player. Knows the organization well. Fans will like him. Fine. Knows now, New York. Yeah, knows New York. Knows the media. Yeah. Now he's gone. Without even ever managing a game. I was looking forward to seeing him, seeing how we yeah, how we yeah. do I, out there. I was looking there. forward to it too. I'm a Yankees fan, but I, I was excited for Beltron. Yeah, but now who takes over? I it's going to be hard to find someone because you're this late in the season. You're kind of starting up. I think spring training in a, in a few weeks, a months or so. Like you're going to start like you're starting to get like your your game plan going. He's gone. You already have. You already brought in his staff. You're gonna get in a new guy and completely change that over. It's it's not. I don't think that works. I think my opinion. You can definitely hire someone in house. Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter, Hensley Mullins, the bench coach, Ricky Bones, the pitching coach. You can bring someone in the staff already, um, and just like and then have him as manager just for a bridge for a little bit. There's also talks with Terry Collins just coming back because he knows the organization. He knows the organization, so. You can't go out of your way just to find someone. I think you got to just find someone in house, or that was recent, just for a year, and then now start the process again for next year. That's just what I think you should do. I, I would say that's true. With the the only one exception, I think would be Buck Walter. Yeah, well, 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 I would say he would be a perfect fit. Oh no, he he definitely he definitely would be. We'll just we'll just it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe next week they'll find it. Maybe three three weeks from now because the Mets yeah. took long. We'll. Yeah, it's just depressing. I, I mean, think this is the beginning <laughs> of the end of the Astros dynasty. I think the oh, A- no doubt. No I think doubt. the A's win the division this year. Really? Oh, yeah. Really? Look at that. Because I having, think we're already having bold baseball takes in January. I love it. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Go the, with it. I think people want to leave the Astros. You, uh, with the exception of the big name stars Altuve and Bregman, and Altuve and Springer, because it's they were the clear cut ones who are in it. In it, like it's proven, like Altuve and Bregman were the heads of like 2017 and supposedly mm-hmm. 2019 so i think they stick i think they stick it out with the astros sticking it out but yeah if if Bre- that's a big maybe too you yeah. don't even know what that also but bregman i think he's kind of the outsider because it's like if he was a big part of it he's going to want to get out of it to save his career altuve yeah. and bregman don't altuve i, I keep saying bregman altuve and springer <laughs> Go ahead, that's fine i wouldn't say altuve and springer really have to save their careers because Bregman, yes, is a top player. He's been a top player for a couple years now. Mm-hmm. But Altuve and Springer have been top players for almost an entire decade now. Mm-hmm. So they're, I think they're going to ride it out. But I think Bregman, once Bregman finds a way out, it, the, the team is done. Very good, very good. Now, how bad is this for the MLB with this whole um, this whole science dealing controversy? Because it's not like it happened years ago. This happened. This is recent. It's very recent. Twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen with those titles. It might be a bad look for them, but. Because we never really seen like something like as this recent like a giant cheating scandal like this. It started out as very nonchalant because in 2017, the Yankees and Red Sox were both caught at the same time using an Apple Watch against each other in the same series. <laughs> but that was before the rule came out, and then that was when the MLB that was when Rob Manfred was like, "Okay, no one can do this anymore." Yeah. So the Yankees and Red Sox kind of mutually did it before it was a rule. Yeah. And then, it, but it was still an unwritten rule at the time. And then when Manfred came out with it. 
Then the Red Sox were caught again, and the Astros were caught big time. Oh, they were caught the first time. Don't you know any better? <laughs> Don't you know any better yeah. with that? So the Red Sox were caught when it wasn't a rule. The Yankees hopefully learned their lesson. Mm-hmm. The, the Yankees haven't been caught. Did they cheat? I doubt it. Anything's possible, though. People were saying maybe all 30 teams have been doing it. That's the thing you never know. Yeah. You really do not know. But like, the difference is, you know the Astros did it, and they won a World Series with it, and you know the Red Sox did it, and they won a World Series yeah. with it. And I would have to assume the Nationals did not. Because yeah. the Nationals won it off their pitching, and the sign-stealing had nothing to do with the pitching. It was all hitting. Yeah. So, so I highly doubt it has anything to do with that. No, yeah, well, but it's still, like you said, we, we we may never know. Yeah. That's just that's just how it goes. Um, yeah, is it, it might, it's bad for MLB now. We'll just see. It Also, how they... Um, how they respond to it? Like, I mean, they've yeah. been doing. A, I think they did a good job of dismissing uh, Hinch and Cora for like, like, or suspending Hinch for the year. And then with, I think it's good for like the Red Sox firing Cora, like getting him yeah. out of here. The Mets, I agree with you. I don't think it was a good call. I don't think they had to fire him. I, I don't think or so. Like, he didn't have. They didn't have to put him in that position. I, I think they should have waited to see what the MLB said yeah. first. Like, all right, he was a player at the time. Yeah. Separate issue. No, nothing, no discipline for him because yeah. he was a player at the time. He's not. He's a manager now. It it's a wasn't, completely separate so, thing. Everyone knew Beltron wasn't going to get suspended because he was a player at the time. And then if you suspend him, then you have to suspend at least, all, get and you have to at least look at the players. Yeah, yeah. But the difference is, it's like say the Mets did really well. Well, what's Beltron doing? Then that's that that's was probably the, why the Brody and the Brody and the and the guys over there probably were like, yeah, because you knew they were going to be looking at him. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 is uh, crazy. I'm looking at a list of CBS some notable names here. Like I said, Hensley Mullins, Mets, Mets bench coach, bench coach, Eduardo Perez, ESPN analysis, who was in the finals between him and Beltron. I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if they go after Eduardo again and be like, hey, remember the time we said no to you? Yeah. Why don't you come on back? Uh, we actually really we actually really do like you as a. Did as you a hear what happened with Jessica Mendoza? Uh, I saw. I can't. Yeah. Do you know what? Tell me. I, I saw her on Golik and Wingo. Yeah. I saw a little bit of it, but I. I was meaning to ask you like the backstory behind it, though. So she's an ESPN analyst during Sunday Night Baseball, and yes. she works in the front office for the Mets. Oh, double du- double duty. So she was she was on a radio show, and someone asked her. Golik and Wingo, I saw. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. So they were like, "What do you think of Mike Fires leaking this whole thing?" And she's like, "Oh, it was bad. He shouldn't have done it." I agree that it's good that it came out and that the MLB did something, but I don't like the way Mike Fires came out with it. I don't like how Mike Fires kind of blackmailed this whole team, and then that gave her a very bad look because it's like. Is she an ESPN analyst saying this as a non-biased source, or is she a Mets worker yeah. putting her own organization first with the Beltron situation? So it's like, right now it's a conflict of interest of her, because it's like, she is a non-biased ESPN analyst, but she's also a front office worker for the Mets of, of a team that just got their manager fired yeah. because of the situation. Yeah, I was, I, I was so now she's going to be lifted of bolt duties they're talking about. Yeah, but it, I, I never saw that. I when I When I heard about it, I'm like, wait. She does the voices on, or she does like the announcing for, or yeah. like the first night baseball. But she also works for the Mets. You don't see. I that. didn't know she worked for the Mets until this. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until honestly. And I'm a Mets fan. I didn't know that much about it. Yeah. Um, because I see a lot of. I'm looking at like NFL. Like Jack Del Rio was an uh, NFL guy on ESPN. They left for DC to coach for the Redskins. You can't do both. I didn't. I didn't know you can do both for the MLB. So yeah, it definitely. It wouldn't shock me if she's lifted from both because yeah, it's a conflict of interest. You're t- like. Wait, you're on the Mets. You're supposed to be on the Mets side, but no, I'm on. I'm also at ESPN now, so I'm supposed to be talking. Like it's, it's very weird. It's very. It's because the MLB said no when the MLB brought out the suspensions. They were like, no team can talk about this. Exactly. So it's like Justin Mendoza went on the show as an as an ESPN analyst giving her take, but then it's like, but let's not forget that she's also. Yeah, yeah. let's not forget she also worked for the. Mets. I don't even know so. what she really does with the Mets though. 
Like I would, she's she's not an analytic. She like she's probably just a general, maybe front office like middle person. Yeah, like it just are like a not even a scout. I don't even know the proper word for it, but yeah, it, it's a it's it's crazy now, and now you're seeing a lot of. I I've never really seen anything like it's crazy, but of course you know we make jokes that of course the Boston team cheated. Look what the Patriots did. <laughs> hey, listen, shout out to all the Boston people out there. But no, um. I think that about wraps it up there. Unless you have any other takes on the baseball, thing. I have an interesting point. What do you What do you think the What do you think the difference is between the NFL and the MLB in the situation? So it's like the Patriots cheated with X, Y, and Z. Maybe other NFL teams did, and now you know the MLB teams did. How does it affect How does it affect the different sports differently in the different NFL versus MLB? Hmm. I I, th- I think. I think with the well, the NFL. If this happened in the NFL with like well, it has kind of happened already. It took a lot longer to get the suspensions even going. I noticed at least with this, uh, the sign thing, like you kind of saw, like, all right, and it's come now. The news is coming up and coming up. All right, they're gone. The Patriots, we kind of even maybe it's it. just because the Patriots were the only team to get caught, and it's like that's what I'm saying. Maybe you what do you do with the Patriots because they are the face of the NFL? Yeah, like, um, yeah, no, I would say that. Uh, I would, yeah, but maybe it's also just like even like the Deflate Gate. I'm looking at it as an example. Like Tom Brady, the deflated balls or whatever. Like it took so long for them to get a suspension going, and then literally like a couple of weeks before the season, oh yeah, you're getting four games. You saw us with the signing thing. Like, it's two different things. Yes, uh, suspended right away, gone. Whatever they cleaned it up. So I think there's a little bit of a difference there. What do you What do you think though? What the difference between the NFL and the MLB with that? Well, I think the the difference is with the NFL, it was only one team, mm-hmm. but it was the team. Yeah. With the MLB, yes, it was two World Series teams, but it wasn't a it wasn't the same kind of dynasty. Yeah. It was a short lived dynasty that yeah. it's like, okay, it was it Astros was gonna be first, done event it was gonna be close soon enough anyway. Astros first title in a long time, I yeah. believe. First or, time ever. First time ever yeah. and Red Sox twenty thirteen, I believe it was yeah. but, but like first time five years. But they weren't like a dynasty where they were always in the playoffs, always it, in it's the World a, Series. It, the I don't think there was a single player on the twenty eighteen team as the twenty thirteen team. Yeah, completely actually. different rosters. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Uh, I think that, that about wraps up. We're almost at the 10 o'clock hour here. Andrew, I think you did a good job today. Thank you. I think we did a good job today going back I would and say forth it was a here. A uh, lot of great stuff here. Guys, as always, thank you so much for tuning in on Facebook Live. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow the show at Review and Preview on Twitter, Instagram. We're going to be looking at a Facebook page soon, so stay tuned for that. On behalf of Andrew Scarpacci, I am Fonz DeFalco. Tune in next week. We'll be on Facebook Live and LIU Wave for Review and Preview. Have a good night, everybody.